My name is Matt Brown. Yes, it is my birthday. And let's start the show. You spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. today it is december 31st 2020 a day this entire world has waited for because 2020 is over and also 26 years ago today in white plains new york there was a young man who joined this world for good and that young man is me today is my birthday everybody i just want to thank my amazing real friends in this world has made me feel special throughout the years. I want to thank the amazing people in my family, both on my mother's side, my father's side, and my immediate family, especially my two brothers and parents who have helped made me the person I am today. Even through all our trials and tribulations in this world, you all mean so much to me. My mother, Donna, my father, Alan, and my brothers, Brendan and Tommy. I love you guys dearly. Last but certainly not least, I'd like to thank each and every single one of you who has tuned into the Productive Conversations podcast, who is a fan of the show, and who is a listener to the show. You all have a special place in my heart. You all count and matter to me, and you all brighten my day and give me a great purpose. And as we begin to grow this show in the early stages and the early days of this podcast, I still want to say that every single one of you counts and matters and you all are special to me. So thank you so much for tuning in and continuing to tune in. And as I keep growing this show and have my purpose and goal to continue to inspire, entertain, and inform each and every one of you, I just want to say I'm never forgetting you no matter what. Thank you so much for that and your birthday wishes. Oh, enough about me and my birthday. I just have to say one thing. Today is a very special show and it I made it, I saved it specifically for this birthday podcast, and it is definitely nothing but a pleasurable experience, which you all are about to listen to. And why is that? It's because Ryan Bagdekian is on the Productive Conversations podcast today. This guy's family to me. This guy really is genuinely one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life, and I mean that wholeheartedly. This guy's genuine, this guy's driven. This guy's intelligent. This guy's funny. Ryan Bagdekian is what every person should strive for. This guy has humble beginnings. This guy keeps rising up above obstacles. And this guy is a special friend of mine. And the fact that he came on this birthday show speaks volumes and it really hits home. So this is going to be a pleasure. This is going to be great. This is going to be a lot of fun. So with all of that, I present to you one of the best conversations I've had in my life that involves career development, sports, movies, TV, and being the best person you can be. For the final time in 2020, Ryan Bagdekian, it's your turn. Let's end this year off right. We are here in my studio. Let's start the show. 
My guest needs no introduction. My guest is one of the greatest people I've ever met in my entire life. He's a dear friend. He is a rising media personality okay. in various ways. He's definitely a rising star in the world of production. Kick, 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 kick. He is one of the, I think he's literally the very first person I met in college. Hey. He is someone we're still friends to, to this day, and we will Scoop stay up. friends for the rest of eternity. Yeah. But in all seriousness, Ryan Bagdikian hey. is a special friend of mine, and he he's family, honestly. And I'm so, so thrilled to have him on the show today. This was an episode when I made this podcast. I needed to have this specific guest, yes, and sir. he is here. And we are very, very blessed Joining us in the studio audience and will contribute to the show is Brendan Brown, a.k.a. Brendan Safe Brown. What's up? Yo, hop on the cam. Yo, say what up. It's good, yo. Skid pop. But most of all, and why we're here today, hey. everybody, please give a warm welcome to Ryan Bagdikian. Hey. Brian, welcome to the Productive Conversations Podcast. How are we doing, my friend? What's popping, man? I'm excited to be here. I've been listening, you know. Uh, shout out to... To all my homies that have been on the Productive Conversations pod, we're about to have another Productive Conversation today. You heard. My man heard. bringing the Bobby Boucher oh, bourbon you, bowl edition. You already know. We got, the drip, we got that water boy drip. You heard me. We got that H2O drip. You already know. Shout out to Adam Sandler. Shout out oh, to Kathy Bates. Oh, man. Dude, how about that? Yo, before yeah. we start anything, hey. let's get a warm toast. We got some dinner before. Yes, sir. Got it these drinks after the fact. A little barefoot hard seltzer for those little, you know, those girls out there watching their weight. I'm one of those girls watching their weight. Cheers, ladies. Cheers, boys. Now I'm just a guy getting my JD ready. What do you have, Brendan? Some oil lemonade. Oil lemonade for oil Brendan. Oil lemonade. I'm just, you know, we're trying to watch the pound. Oh, man. All we right, going bro. for it over there. Okay. Nothing but, dude. Nothing but. But, Ryan, <laughs> glad to have you. Then 2020 off right. Brendan, glad cheers. to have you, too. Cheers. God bless. Social distance. Cheers. That was a big swig, man, Brown. Tastes good. Going to be a drunk conversation, too, I guess. Oh, man. <laughs> when, uh, we have some clout. We can see where that goes. But, Ryan. Yes. Thanks for coming on. How are we doing today? Man, I've been good, man. I was good the last time you asked me to, bro. I'm straight. I've been chilling, man. So it's nice to say here. it twice. That's right. But first things first, Ryan, how do you get a Bobby Boucher jersey? Uh, so, uh, you know, they were making them a couple... Adidas was making them a couple years ago. They were doing a, a few different, like, famous sports movie jerseys. They had, like, kind of... They had the um, Paul Crew football jersey from yep. uh, Longest Yard. Yard. Uh, they they had some other ones We have as some well. Rick Vaughn from Major League. Right. Uh, the Cleveland Indians jersey or the Cleveland baseball team jersey. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Suttlesworth. Yep. Ray Allen yep. from, from uh, You Got, he, yeah, from he got, he got Game. game. Yep. Uh, but and then yeah, Bobby Boucher from Waterboy. Uh, they had they had sent a promotional uh, package uh, over to ESPN uh, to Scott Van Pelt, and he had uh, he didn't want it, so he, he offered it to me, and uh, that's how I got it. So shout out to my boy SVP, that's my guy. All right, all right. But before we uh, get into that, wh yeah. who are some of your other favorite sports movies, characters, or movies itself? Are we going? You want to go characters or movies first? What do you want? We'll start with characters. Characters, Paul Crew. I mean, I love I love the Longest Yard. Both of them. The the new one holds a little dear to my heart because uh, watched it as a kid. Uh, Adam Sandler so good. Chris Rock so good. Just really good movie. Fun t fun movie. Me and my brothers watched it last night. Actually, I watched it like it's on FX like every day. I watched it like three days ago. I think uh, it's so good. Can't go wrong with it. No, you can't. Uh, I also really like. Um, 
Jesus Shuttlesworth because I love Ray Allen. UConn. He's a really good actor in Boston that. Boston Celtics, great movie. Really good performance. Uh, I believe Stefan Marbury was supposed to be in that movie. I think Spike Lee's first choice was Stefan Marbury. Actually, I actually think it was Kobe. Was it Kobe? And I think it was based on Stefan Marbury. Right. Stefan Marbury. That's what it is. The movie's set in sure. Coney Island, Brooklyn, and that's right. where he's from. And then, so it's yep. based on him, but I think Kobe was actually the okay. original choice. And then they got Ray Allen. And hey, Ray Allen, pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Like, I don't I, I, For sports movie characters? Yeah. I mean, like, I. <sighs> You know the character we have, a like Gordon Denzel Bombay. And Denzel and remember the Titans. Uh, yeah, Herman Booth. Yeah, like Coach Carter, like Sam, Samuel Jackson and Coach Carter. What about Emilio Estevez as no the Mighty Don't Ducks care coach? About what do you mean? Should I say it? Should I? Should I? I'm sorry, everybody, but I've never seen the Mighty Ducks. I've never seen the Mighty Ducks. No, that's a surprise. Emilio Estevez, that's Charlie Sheen's brother, right? Yeah, and Martin and that's Sheen's, Martin Sheen's uh, uh, son? other son. Wow, one of his other sons. What a family. Right, a lot of a lot of cocaine in that family. A lot of a lot of good acting as well, but definitely Tiger really? Blood. Honestly, Charlie <laughs> Sheen's got acting chops still in there, but hey, no doubt. Um, and I, I mess with Charlie Sheen heavy. I mess with Martin Sheen heavy, and you know what? Emilio Estevez been in his bag too, but a lot of cocaine. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug, they say. A hell of but a drug. some, just some. We have other characters. So we have um, yep. who's Bad News Bears? Oh, uh, I've never seen that. What? No, man. Um, I got a Tinder notification. A Tinder notification? It says you can keep matching. No nah, man. I don't yeah, want to hear right. that. There's no one I'm talking to right now. <laughs> I can't say. I don't even know why I'm wasting my time on no, these apps. You ain't got no clout, man. Nah, I I'm have kidding. my own clout. It's all about that self-love. But <laughs> yo, but what about some other sports <laughs> movies? Sports movie. Okay, so I already said I like Longest Yard. Uh, How we like Major League? Major League is very funny. Uh, you know what's an underrated one that I feel like kind of goes under the radar a little bit? Basketball. You yeah, see? that's that's With a fun Trey time. Parker, Matt Stone. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fun time. Uh, you know what movie's really bad, but I just love it so much. Is um, I don't. You've probably seen it. You've seen like every movie. Uh, Mister Three Thousand with Bernie of Mac. With Bernie that Mac. movie's so bad, but it's awesome. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> a lot of people think I'm pretentious towards bad movies. I'm really not. I enjoy all types yeah. of movies, and you got to enjoy that stuff. And Bernie Mac. Is is funny, R. obviously. R. P, man, what a Rest great in peace. Bernie Mac's obviously hilarious, right? But like he he is the only reason you should watch that movie. It's not a good movie, but Bernie Mac is just so funny, just in general, that he does you know, he he does his thing, so it's it's watchable. Uh the plot makes no sense. Um it just there's so many loopholes. Just he got they got they were <laughs> they decrease some statistics for all of major right. league. Right, and they somehow made less. He, he somehow had lost his three thousand hits. Right. He wasn't in the Hall of Fame yet, despite that he'd obviously be but, in the Hall of Fame. And but what players retiring as soon as they get three thousand hits just because they got three thousand hits? But fact, you know who got three thousand and one hits is who's Roberto that? Clemente. So oh, he would go. technically qualify for that. Another another legend, rest in peace. Absolutely. Huge impact, great phil- uh, philanthropist too. Yeah, for sure, man. But other sports, we how about um how about the Sandlot? Sandlot's a classic, man. Uh, that's a that's a great movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much else to say. You killing <laughs> or, me, Smalls? Uh, do you ever see the movie Slapshot with Paul Newman? No, but you know what hockey movie I have seen? What? Goon. That's a good movie with Sean Sean Michael Scott, I think. Or is it Goon? Or yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. There's this other hockey movie that is really under the rail with like a very young Keanu Reeves who was I think he was actually destined for the NHL at one point and um oh really he got hurt I, and I, I think and uh I mean we go on and on 
the water boy obviously yeah. uh happy gilmore Happy Gilmore, yeah. yes. Happy Gilmore is a classic. Uh, the Rocky movies, bro. The Rocky movies. You know what's crazy? I've never seen a Rocky movie. Never seen a Rocky I know, movie. No, man. I, I, there's a few this cinematic tough, masterpieces that's a, that's I just haven't made my way over to yet. I, I definitely, as we go on the um, podcast, we go focus on movies. We have to discuss that. Oh, of but course. damn, like, no Rocky movie? No, man. I, there's a, uh, you know, I look at some of the movies you got on your wall here. I've never seen, or I haven't finished Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I watched it on a plane and I just couldn't do it i think it's part part of the reason because i was on a plane uh departed is great pulp fiction is great one of my favorites i've never seen entourage the show or the movie i don't need uh, to see the movie uh <laughs> that's what i hear um i've never seen casablanca <laughs> uh, and i've never finished fight club wow so, Ryan, you, man. you you you're that is some unique i'm a cinematic some... heathen but you know I'll, I'll make up for it i'm sure i hear you i hear you but um you didn't even see creed either out of the rocky movie no, uh, but you know what's funny? It's kind of like a little uh, behind-the-scenes thing. Uh, Creed Two, uh, Linda Cohn and Scott Van Pelt are sports center anchors, and they filmed uh, like a little like news hit yeah, yeah. for the movie. Like you were they, there on set for that? Yeah, I was. I actually uh, helped teleprompt her doing her read for it, and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. About that? How yeah. about that? So, and also just Forty Two. Just want to make that shout out. Never no Forty Two. I know, and you know what's crazy? I love Chadwick Boseman. Rest in peace. Uh, phenomenal actor. He's uh, isn't he? Uh, his last appearance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or something like that it with came uh, out Viola Davis. It came out yesterday. The time is of this it, recording. What's it on? It's on Netflix. Oh, dude, I gotta watch that tonight. At the time of this recording, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom came out yesterday. Uh, you guys should check it out. I'm sure it's gonna be super dope. And by the time this comes out, I'm gonna check it out too. Uh, shout out to Viola Davis though, one of my favorite actors. She she's phenomenal. She she's probably the best. I would say she's a top five actor in Hollywood right now. Viola Davis. Mm, I, I mean, when does Viola Davis miss? Have you, have you ever have you ever seen a bad performance from Viola Davis? Not that I can think of. No, you have. Well, you you can't. You'd be lying if you said she did. Oh man, I definitely want to go in with <laughs> the actors and uh, all the actors in this world. But um, Ryan, yeah. so you know, as we were sticking, you mentioned a couple times your ESPN yeah. connection. Sure. What exactly is that connection? So you, Ryan, have worked for ESPN, yep. and I'm sure it was a wonderful experience. Yep. I'm sure you gained so much sure. out of it, and it's really been an awesome start to your early career yep. in production. So tell me, Ryan, what were some of the best things you got out of working at ESPN? Uh, I would say, I mean, connections, right? I mean, that's that's the number one thing anywhere you go every day. Right. Like, you know, we're sitting next to somebody right now, Brendan, who I, I think val understands and values that just as much as I do. You know, that's, that's half the things we talk about is like, hey, like you got to, you know, you're holding it down for your people, but you also got to you got to get those people right. You got to know those people. Uh, and uh, I, I think that was a huge thing for me there is, you know, when you meet a lot of those people, it's kind of sets you up for future gigs. It sets you up for uh, future success. And, you know, you can help them out, too. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's it's definitely a mutual thing. So that that was a huge thing for me. Uh, was definitely getting you know my foot in the door in the industry and starting to to meet people at other companies and uh, other organizations and really get my feet wet. Um, obviously, experience. I think that's another big one as well. It's probably just as big as uh, you know meeting people as well. Uh, you know, I've worked on national championships. I've worked on three NBA finals. Uh, I've worked with pretty much any athlete you could name. I've worked with countless celebrities and and crews, and I've booked talent, and uh, I've I've. I've done it all. I've, I've, and I'm 24, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, but it, it's hard too, right? I mean, 
when you when you go and and you do this work and you're 22 23 years old not not a lot is expected from you uh but at the same time a lot is right because they don't care how old you are they, you got to get that shit done right uh when i when i stepped onto the field for the college football playoff this year the national championship in new orleans between lsu and clemson i had to produce the show from the field the the, the main producer who's been working for 22 years had the same job as me that day and uh made a hell of a lot more money than i did too uh and he was in the truck he was in the production truck right outside the stadium i was the only producer on the field and I was really 20, have it. What do you think? Twenty-four, you- newly twenty-four. So I was basically like just I was twenty-three two weeks before this, and, and I was the main producer on the field for a show that had seven and a half million viewers. And while at the end of the day I made half of what the other guy made, I had to do the same exact amount of work and the same level of work, and that that's incredible experience, but a fucking difficult one too. Why do you think they trusted you as such a young twenty-four-year-old to get in there? Uh, you show you know you you definitely you take your hits right you 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 take your L's and you take your W's and you take them well I think that's that's the big thing right uh, when you take your L's when you fuck up own it don't fucking blame on somebody else you lost man like you fucked up fucking own it and then don't lose again win next time that's that's the biggest piece of advice I can give you is you gonna catch some L's everybody's caught L's in this world, but you got to own it. That's the difference between winners and losers. So you'd be agreed with like being confident in your mistakes in a yes, sense. Because n- no, nobody's perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, you hear these people that say, you know, that are so good at things, right? Influencers, whatever guy, guy I like a lot who actually met at that national championship, Gary V. Um, he's a winner, but he'll admit that he lost, right? There are people out there that don't like to admit they lost. Like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a sore loser because I'm competitive. You can be competitive and admit you lost and take the loss because you need to learn from that loss, right? And that's going to happen in your life. You are not perfect. Nobody is. The difference between winners and losers is what you do after you lose. I mean, I... I cannot adhere to that more. And I really believe that with my um, early career in production as well, because of all the various things and how, if you're trying to get into the production industry, you don't necessarily need specific training, like say a medical, anyone in the medical field or law. It's exactly, it's about your drive and your will to do it. And because you're so irreplace, you're so replaceable. You have yeah. to, if you get that shot, you have to prove yourself to yeah. stay in it. Right. And in any little case, you have to make it because anybody could take it. And it's easy to, re- it's easy to to fall out. People yeah. look to nitpick you, sure. and that's why it's a matter of it's a game of trying to get respect and yeah. trying to earn your place. And, and you know, and you you hit the nail on the head there, right? I mean, you talk about you you go into work every day, right? You work at a let's just say you work at any at any level within media specifically this goes for pretty much any industry but let's just we're talking about media because we're both in media and we're talking on a medium uh so <laughs> you go into work every day it doesn't matter where you work it doesn't matter if you're at espn or if you're at channel three news in in rocky hill connecticut it doesn't matter what level you're at because guess what there are 200 people out there that want your job there's 300 people there's 500 people there's 3,000, right so when you go in every day and, and you don't bring it that's fine. That's fine. But just understand this. You are so replaceable. It, it doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter if you're king shit or not. If you think you're brilliant or not. It doesn't matter if you went to Harvard. It doesn't matter if you went to Hartford. It doesn't matter where you went to school. Because guess what? At the end of the day, we are all replaceable. Yeah. 
So you need to, you need to you need to bust your ass every day. You need to be creative every day. And guess what? There's going to be a lot of days where you don't want to be. I, I've woken up in countless hotel rooms, fucking exhausted. Because I, I went to bed at 3 and I had to get up at 7 to go produce a show, but I was editing until 3, right? Guess what? I don't have time to sit there and feel bad for myself. Must go long. So, somebody paid for me to, to sleep in that hotel room. Somebody paid for me to fly to that city. Somebody paid for me to get to that stadium that day. And while you could take it for granted because you've done it 25 times, 30 times, 40 times, doesn't matter. Because when you show up, you fuck up one time, that's all it takes. It's fucking gone, right? If you show up, you don't put an effort then why, why do they care? It doesn't matter if you've done it a hundred times. It matters what happens on a time 101 because, and, and that's the way it works, right? You, you could go and you could make a company $200 million a year, right? You could, you could make a show every single day that was fantastic and made the company a ton of money. But all you've got to do is fuck up one time and lose the company a hundred million dollars. It doesn't matter if you made them 200 because guess what? Because to, to them, you didn't make them $100 million po- like net positive there, right? If you make $200 million and then you lose $100 million, that's a net positive 100 But to the company, you lost $100 million. They don't give a fuck about the $200 million you made them. So you got to bring it every day because if you slip up and you slip up enough, you're gone. It doesn't matter. You could also say, you know, saying all this and very much is true, but yeah. don't also have add mu- so much pressure to yourself for that. You can do amongst sure. all of that. Some people, but, some people require that pe- that pressure. Of to- course, that's the only way to have that work ethic. But there's also that way of staying cool, calm, and collective sure. in a high, highly fast paced environment. Well, there's moments, right, in which you apply that pressure. That's what I. Yeah. That's how I do it, right? I wake up in the morning and the pressure's on. The night before I go to bed, the pressure's on. But when I walk into the studio, there's no pressure because there's times for pressure and there's times for no pressure, right? And ironically, it's the opposite of what a lot of people do. When people go to bed the night before they have a big show, no pressure because they're not thinking about it actively. But the issue is when they show up, they haven't thought about how shit's going to go down. They haven't stressed over things and then they do it in the moment. And then when things start to fall apart, everything goes because you didn't actively think about this beforehand and you're in the moment and you're shitting your pants and then guess what you're gone right so if you're sitting there in your bedroom at home the night before and you think about okay this is what's going to happen in the a's for this rundown this is going to happen in the b's when this guest comes on or when this guest is late this is how it's going to go down you show up that what's there to think about nothing so when shit starts to hit the fan You've already thought about how shit's going to go down. You already thought about how you're going to fix it. And you're not going to stress because you're not all over the place. You'd be all over the place if you haven't really stressed over it beforehand. So it's all about mentality. Pressure at the right time. For sure. That's the point I'm trying to say. I'm not saying be lazy dazzy. Don't think about that. I'm saying obviously be on your toes, but also don't think it's the end of the world as well because you can totally psych yourself out if you think oh everything is coming on in that sense I just you that you're very much right and I 110% agree and you have to have in the side of your head what's going on in the next step and expect the unexpected but also do that stay calm stay cool stay collective and you know that you're hired for a reason you're given the opportunity for a reason you've been considered for the reason so just know that you have it in you to have that great job yeah. You'll be fine. And I think that's important too, right? That's something I actually, I would say I did not do well is remind yourself, hey, you were hired for a reason. I think that's a that's a good mentality to have. I don't think I've ever done that. 
I don't think I've ever sat there and was like, okay, like I'm here because I deserve to be. And that's something that you should do. So I, I admire that, Matt Brown. I think that's a that's a good takeaway from this for at least me uh, and for maybe anybody else out there listening. It's good to remind yourself that, you know, obviously you are, you can hold yourself to a certain standard, to a certain pedigree because somebody else did. For sure. And yeah. that will, and have that not take away anything from your work ethic. You have it in you to do it. You're not. This isn't rocket science. Right. It's practical, and a lot of it is common sense. Right. So, just do your job. No matter if you're a PA, no matter if you're the EP, no matter if yeah. you're a grip, no matter if you're the talent. Right. You all have it together for a common purpose. Most importantly, as also the words that Brendan says himself, you're here to. Most of the time, depending on the program, whether unscripted or scripted, sure. you're to entertain, inspire, and. Um, and influence all the people watching and you will affect some audience like that wouldn't you agree with that Brendan yo what's up guys so um absolutely bags said something earlier before right every single person in life is going to take the L right yeah we're all going to take the L but let me finish that statement for you after L comes E S S O N. We're all every every time we lose in life, we're gonna learn from it. Right. Every failure leaves a seed to success. There's something else I was gonna add, but um, I forgot. But that that's one point where Bags was going in. I was like, yeah, man, that, that's <laughs> that's that's right, right there. But yeah, yeah um, bars, bars. Yo, yo, just listening to Bags right now, I've learned so much. Right. Oh, I think this this what what I was gonna add. Bags talking about yeah. the pressure's high, right? And we can get where we're at in the process, right? We've all accomplished a lot. Think about where you start and where you are now, yep. right? We are focusing on, on the next destination we want to get to, but we forget about where we started. We all have to be proud of ourselves on how far we came, yep. right? Bags was talking about, yeah, recognize and be proud of yourself. Also, I want to add to that forgive yourself right yeah. we're, we're all carrying on this weight of something that we should have would have could have right we wish we did we could have done all this stuff forget yourself but also the last point i want to add is bags was coming and he was talking about every time you walk into a room yeah if you aren't as hungry as you were yesterday you're someone's prey today yes sir so love that period shit. that's a bar right there well thank you for that brendan bars I totally agree. I'm sure Ryan agrees. But at the end of the day, no matter if it's media or any other industry, you could do it. Just be aware of how important and how valuable your opportunity is and how highly, you know, high, sorry, how highly fat, how highly paced the environment is to working in media, especially in unscripted or anything live and obviously anything, you know, scripted as well. But we could pull it off and we believe in it so uh spinning into that ryan yeah now working for espn itself you talked about a lot of the benefits you've yeah. gotten personally and professionally sure do you mind of us going into like some of the more interesting aspects of going to these awesome events and stuff like that sure yeah let's go let's go into it so tell me ryan you work at espn and um you must have been amongst some great people high sure. profile people yeah. do you mind telling us some of these great in people of influence who you've worked with yeah i mean uh 
I mean, the list the list is uh, is pretty long. There's a lot of great people that work there. Um, but if I had to, you know, nail down a list of uh, five or six people that were uh, fairly influential on me, or uh, you know, really enjoyed working with them, I would say uh, Scott Van Pelt is probably my number one. Uh, definitely a legend. Um, one of the nicer guys I've worked with. Um, very, you know, it, it can it can definitely come off. Um, like a little there's a little intimidation factor right because it's scott van pelt i mean he's one of the the, the most notorious sports center anchors ever uh been been there for a long time watched him as a kid uh so uh, that was pretty that was pretty cool to work with him uh i i remember <laughs> it must have been thank you brendan it must have been the third time we worked together and I was 22 and uh I think I was challenging him on something you know I kind of like I didn't agree uh with what he wanted to have in our show we had produced a show for the ESPN app after he did Sports Center, so and you said this despite being a newly hired straight out of college, so you, you I, I gave been, him constructive criticism. I had been there for a year at this point, but I had never worked with him. This was like the third time we had worked together. It literally like I had started a new show with him that week, and it had been the third time me and him had literally sat down in the same room. Okay, tell me about so, what uh, happened. I I disagreed with him. You know, I kind of told him like, hey, like we're gonna like we should do this story, uh, and uh he said sure let's do it and we did it and it came out great bosses were super happy about it got an email about it said oh this was great awesome job all this stuff um he watched it he said it was good he was impressed with the the production value and it was just me working on it It was by myself so i shot produced edited the whole thing uh which is a lot of work and so that's a 10 12 hour shift usually by the end of the by the time we finished doing that show we had three people working on shows instead of one so it was a lot uh and he he came up to me and he said hey uh how old are you and I'm 22 and he looks at me he's like you got a lot of balls for a 22 year old he goes nobody comes in here and tells me that they disagree with me and and that's not him being cocky that's not him yeah. saying like how dare you talk to me like that right he's not like that but he just was kind of surprised that you know he's like you 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 challenged me and like you didn't come and just say oh this is the way it's going to be you said this is why i think this and, what and do you think we had good conversations and we had a great relationship for for over a year we worked together and uh i'll, I'll never forget a lot of things he told me one thing he told me last time we uh we worked together he said listen no matter what you do wherever you go you are going to be great and I, I said why do you say that he goes you are one of the, the smartest people i've ever worked with this company and I mean, 20, 23 years old, right? Like he's worked with, you got to think about how many producers this guy's worked with hundreds in 20 years, not a hundred thousand, but okay, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people he's worked with. Right. And he said, you are one of the, the smartest people I've ever worked with and one of the hardest workers. And I, and I couldn't believe it. Right. It has shaken me to, to this day. I just can't, I couldn't believe that. And it was an absolute honor to work with that guy. Uh, just unbelievable. You're on there, Ryan. That's I appreciate, awesome to I appreciate hear. That. That's, you ever use that in interviews? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably should start, right? I mean, I feel yeah. like that. What, I was, you know, I wanted to ask, as you were saying that, like, what gave you the confidence to, to give that kind of criticism to SVP? So, I don't think it's a confidence thing. I think it's just, no, you know, knowing your shit, right? Like, I, I don't, 
necessarily say I'm confident or not confident. I'm just who I am. And if, if you don't agree with what I have to say, that's fine. We, we don't necessarily have to agree on anything, but I have never been afraid to speak up my opinion. Like when I first got hired at ESPN, I was 21 and uh, a week into meetings, I was talking in meetings more so than people had been there for 20 years. And it, it just was because that's what I thought was right. If I have an idea, I'm going to speak. Uh, and it didn't matter who it was to. It's my job. I was told if, if you tell me this is your show, you are the producer for this show. You write this show, you edit the show, you shoot the show, you plan the show. Then my opinion matters. And my boss knew that. My talent knew that. Scott and other sports center anchors we did it with, they knew that. They knew it was my job. And I knew that. So if everybody involved has agreed that I'm the producer and I'm controlling the content, obviously in, in co- cohesion with talent, then I'm going to speak. And, you know, just because other people are more hesitant to speak, <clears throat> excuse me, more hesitant to speak or are just choose, choose not to, don't want to, don't care to, that's fine. But I, I don't operate that way. I'm going to speak my mind if I have something to say. Why do you think you're someone who's willing to speak his mind? Is it from past experiences? You want to see things change? Is no. it from just being inspired by somebody else as an influence or is he someone who generally stands for the right thing? It's just having an idea. I mean, it's just, it's just being passionate about what you're doing. If, uh, I didn't care, then sure. You can do whatever you want. I'll edit it. I'll throw it together and post it. You know, I'll cash my check. That's what I'll do. But I feel passionately about things I do. Um, even if, you know, some, I don't really care about baseball that much anymore i used to when i was younger but it's not my favorite right but when i produce a show about baseball i'm producing a show my name is on this show espn's name is on this show or whatever company i'm working for is on this show and i represent that company and i represent this show so i'm gonna bust my ass it doesn't matter if i'm passionate about the the subject matter or not i'm going to actively think about how i can make it better and i'm going to actively work towards that and it, it just, it, it, nothing's going to hold me back in that regard. Unless I'm actively told not to speak up, if I'm actively told not to try, then sure, I'll do that. But if I'm told, hey, like, let's get this done, I'm going to get it done and I'm going to inject myself into it. Where do you think that passion comes from to do the right thing or job just like that? Existing? I don't know. I mean, I've just always been this way. I just, I, yeah, like, yeah. It's like, do you think even as a, your adolescence years, yeah. while you're growing, you're always somebody who's willing to put that passion there? Sure. I mean, it's definitely grown over the years. Like, as just as you become a person and more confident in yourself and who you are, um, I think I've always had kind of an explosive personality and kind of a drive to mm-hmm. myself. I'm always trying to go over the top and, put 110% effort into everything I do. Uh, but I mean, it's definitely accelerated over the years. You know, you meet people and you kind of see like people like that. Cause I mean, when you're 12, 13 years old and you know, you're kind of the chubby kid in school and you know, you're not the coolest kid in school. Maybe people don't understand you and you kind of feel shunned for being that, you know, that explosive personality, fun effort, just great person to be around. That's what I, you know, I pride myself on being, I pride myself on being the life of the party or, you know, the energy in the room or, you know, the active thinker in the room. Uh, and then when you start to see 
people like that, you know, when you get to college and, you know, you show up and you're hyping everybody up and everybody likes that, you know, that kind of gives you more confidence to continue to, to, to tap into that. And I think that definitely helped me in my professional career as well, because when you show up and it's, you know, 12 white guys at a table and they're talking about ideas for the night and none of them are exciting because they're all miserable fucks. You know what I mean? It's okay to be a little different, be the, be the kid in the room, be excited about sports. Cause guess what? We all like sports. That's why we're here. That's why people buy the content. That's why we have a billion dollar company is because at the end of the day, you know, you were a seven-year-old kid watching the Yankees shit in your pants when Derek Jeter hit a home run or something, right? You know what I mean? That's what gets you excited. So let's get excited because we're not going to be in this room and be all a bunch of grumpy assholes and just try to figure shit out because guess what? The content is going to be for grumpy assholes, but the people at home that are watching this are not grumpy assholes. They're a bunch of kids or, or young adults or adults. It doesn't matter how old they are. It's a bunch of people that are here because they love the sport. They love sports or, or whatever it is, right? E-sports. Yeah. I mean, if, if you work at a news company, people are watching it because they want to know something or they're excited about it, right? People will actively watch stuff because they want to. So let's act that way. You know what I mean? Let's have some energy. Let's have some fun. A big just I get is, you know, pulling off that genuine passion and genuine interest and... Were you ever a shy person at any point at all or no. it was always off the bat like this? Yeah, I mean, maybe when I was like four or five, like I remember like maybe like pre-K kind of like hesitant to throw yourself out there at school. But I would say once I started, you know, interacting with like a lot of people. And that's when that passion yeah. and your genuine nature started growing off the bat. And then sure. that's why probably once the opportunity presented right. itself when you see all your job opening sure. back in what right after school yep. summer 2017 yep. the opportunity is there to interview at espn obviously big companies big yep. influence and then did you just explain like what i did you know prior to the experience you had working at espn yep. for the last few years when you're actually interviewing for the job itself, sure. were you somebody who just showed that personality and genuine interest and in why you probably were picked like out of the various... Um, like during the, the interview process? Yep. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to convey in a 30-minute interview, right? It's kind of hard to convey you know, the energy and your personality. It, it, it's a difficult thing, right? Because you can come in there and you can be all over the place, uh, which I kind of am at times. Right. And if you do that, they might not take you as a professional, right? They might not, might not consider you to be professional. Uh especially when you're 21 and fresh out of college, they might just be like, okay, this kid needs to go to college for another two years because he's not ready. So when you go into the interview, you can convey your excitement for the job. You can convey your excitement for the opportunity. Uh, And you can be fun and be yourself. But at the end of the day, you've got to package that properly. And I I think that's what I'm doing now in this interview, right? I mean, this isn't for a job, but like, I'm not like, oh my God. And I'm not like jumping around, like throwing the mic and shit. You know, I'm not fucking being crazy, but you know, you can convey your excitement for things professionally and concisely. You don't necessarily need to be all over the place trying to convey that you're fun. Uh, You kind of show that through action. You know, once you actually have the job, you can kind of convey your personality that way. Uh, It's definitely a difficult thing to balance and, and, and do during an interview, though. So why do you think out of out of all of these things you explained to us, sure. out of going through the trials and tribulations, why do you think ESPN decided to hire you? I would say for a multitude of reasons. Um, I didn't get like a sexy job. 
You know what I mean? Like when I first got hired, I was a part-time producer, 28 hours a week, um, making shit money, working shit hours, uh, working weekends. Off days were like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I worked like Thursday through Sunday. Um, and I would wake, I would work more, way more than 28 hours, but I'd get paid for 28 hours. Um, so I think that was part of it is that nobody really wanted that job. Uh, they told me after the fact that, you know, a hundred people send applications for that job because you got to keep in mind a lot of the people that uh, get hired at ESPN get hired from like California or like Texas or Florida or anywhere in the country, right? They get hired from all over, all, all over the world. Um, when it's a part-time job, it kind of makes it difficult to move from Florida to Bristol, Connecticut on 28 hours a week. You, you can't. Um, so that completely limited who was applying for that job. Uh, I, I was told that I was the most qualified person that applied for that job and I didn't have a job. Um, you know, like all the people that they had it's talked to just made weren't you qualified ready for it. for it. The experience I had in college, um, they were, they were, you know, they were kind of limited with the job, but they needed to fill it. Um, the thing is, I, they told me after the fact that, uh, you know, that part-time job that after they promoted me, they promoted me to full-time about six months later, um, they uh, eliminated that position because a part-time job doesn't help them. Uh, so it, it was kind of luck of the draw, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't necessarily, I think it was, it was very lucky that I got in. Um, I think they were pleasantly surprised by the quality of the work that I did immediately because like when you hire a 21 year old you can't expect the world right you can't expect the kid to come in and just be the most brilliant video editor producer that you've ever seen but I think they were a little surprised because you know probably about a month in I was getting into a gear you know I was kind of I was I was kind of impressing people a little bit and I I think they were happy with the hire uh and you know it worked out pretty well for a few years it was pretty good Great, great. Do you think luck has anything to do with it, or is it genuine hard work? And uh, no, it's l- luck for sure. Um, in regards to just success in general, or like this in, in particular. In this in particular, what does lead to uh, luck? For for oh, for, <laughs> moving forward, it's a blend of things, right? Because luck is a massive thing. I, like timing is just huge, right? Timing. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. Um, <laughs> so you know, let's just say you uh you want to get promoted right you've been at a company for five years uh and you leave because they didn't promote you for five years you're sick and tired of them well a month later they they have an they have an opening for a promotion and if you stayed you would have had it right but then you went somewhere else like if that timed out a little different then you would have been promoted you stay there for another 10 years you get promoted again like who knows right it's all about timing and luck and opportunity um now like when you are really talented, that fucking helps a lot. And when you know a shit ton of people, that helps a lot, right? Like when you know the CEO of the company, like that's pretty damn good. And like when you got 10 years experience and you got an Emmy or something like that, that's pretty damn good. Uh, but it doesn't matter if the timing's off, right? Because if you're the most qualified person in the world for a job, but there's no job opening, well, what the fuck are you going to do? right? So you need, you need a little luck and a little timing and a little opportunity there to, to take advantage of your skill and your experience as well. And I'm sure you could agree. Don't let that discourage you when you find the luck. Sure. Just always keep pushing. And one day yep. you know, isn't luck when luck is when hard work and timing comes together at the right place at the That's right time. Fair is that say. what they say? Was that the right quote, Britt? I know That's that. That's what I was going to say. I don't care who you are, 
me, Bags, and Breezy, we've all been lucky, right? Anyone who's listening has been lucky, but luck is when hard work and preparation meet at the same time. You have anything to add to that, Ryan? No, it's a bar. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's well said. Um, yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. And then also just in, in general, you know, luck is important uh, for, for a lot of things. Um, but that doesn't necessarily need to deter you from working hard. You know, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't just be like, all right, well, off. fuck it. I'm, I'm not going to work hard because Ryan said, oh, you just got to be lucky and then things will happen for you um, because you can be really lucky and then not take advantage of your luck. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. You can have shit fall right into your lap. But if you don't want to work for it, it doesn't matter. Right. Because when I say you, you have to be lucky for things to happen, you still have to take advantage of the opportunity because, you know, you can be lucky and win the lottery. That's one thing. But you can be lucky and meet somebody. And when you meet somebody, let's just say you meet Bob Iger, right? The great Bob Iger, aka the CEO, well, former, the, CEO, uh, former of CEO of the Walt Disney Corporation. Correct. So let's just say you meet Bob Iger. Well, whoop de fucking do. But guess what? Meeting Bob Iger is an opportunity. Because if you hit it off with Bob Iger, I'm not saying this is a possibility, but let's just say you meet Bob Iger at a restaurant in LA. He, you hit it off, you eat dinner together, and he thinks you're the greatest guy in the world. And he hires you to be like his personal videographer, pays you $50 an hour. That's an opportunity. But if you meet Bob Iger and you just meet Bob Iger and say hi and leave, that was an opportunity. I'm not saying you should take advantage of every opportunity you get because guess what? You hitting it off with Bob Iger and getting dinner together is extremely unlikely and probably would never happen. But let's just say that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity that you need to take advantage of and that you need to to work through, right? I've met tons of producers who I've reached out to after the fact, and that was the opportunity that I chose. Shit like that can fall into your lap every day, but if you don't pursue it then guess what? That luck that you had in meeting that person or being introduced to that person or working with that person, you not pursuing it after the fact is a missed opportunity. And that's how you you fuck up luck, right? Because let, let's just say, for example, uh, a great guy I've worked with, another guy at ESPN who I've worked with who uh, no longer works there. Uh, he's over at NFL Network. He's doing a ton of things because he's a star. Andrew Hawkins used to play in the NFL uh, for the for the Browns and the the Bengals. Uh, went to Toledo in college. I, I I have the privilege of calling him a friend, and I've worked with him a lot. But the thing is, the opportunity there was when I met him. I'm like, wow, this guy's really good, and he's a really nice guy. So you know, what? I'm gonna go talk to him, and I talked to him, and we became friends. You know, we joked around. We had similar senses of humor, and we worked really well together. So you know, I've worked with him a little bit on the side, like trying to help him out with some personal projects, and we're still friends, and you know, keep in touch. But that, and and I'm not saying I view every you know meet as an opportunity because that's a weird way of thinking. But every person, you know, your <laughs> server at John right. just said, "This is sure. a big opportunity." Who knows where she right. goes? And also, it's a little selfish to think that way, too. You know, not everything's about you. But I did take advantage of meeting him. I, you know, I pursued that friendship. I pursued that partnership. I pursued uh, him because I saw an opportunity for myself. And also, I just consider myself to be a fairly nice person. So I wanted to also just be nice to him because he was a nice guy. Yeah. And that's worked out for me. And that is how it happens for a lot of people. Are you familiar with the story with how Rich Paul met LeBron James? Uh, please tell us. So, uh, Who's Rich Paul for anyone who doesn't know? Oh, I thought you didn't know for a second. It scared me. I, I met him last year, in, or this year. Uh, Not related at, uh, to Jake and uh, Logan Paul. No, I met him in Philly this year. He's a great, really nice guy. But for those who don't know, uh, can you explain yeah, what's yeah. going on? Rich, Rich Paul is LeBron James' agent. Um, 
and I think that's enough to say, right? I mean, he all, he's uh, he is the owner and proprietor of proprietor of Clutch Sports, um, and he is the agent for LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, a ton of really good NBA players, uh, Lonzo Ball. The list goes on, uh, and. He uh, he met LeBron because when LeBron was 17, 18 years old in Akron, Ohio, he wanted to buy a uh, Houston Oilers jersey. Um, and uh, Rich Paul was selling jerseys out of his car, in the back of his car, in his trunk. And uh, they, you know, he sold it to him and, you know, they became friends, you know, sold him a couple more jerseys and just, you know kept talking to LeBron and they became really good friends and you know LeBron went to the NBA and you know they were friends for a while and then you know a couple years into the NBA Rich Paul was like hey like I want to be your agent and LeBron said yeah and he became his agent and you know Rich Paul got really good at uh, being an agent and understanding finance and you know working with Maverick Carter who's another partner of LeBron James Uh, that whole that whole crew is incredible uh really got smart with that kind of stuff made a ton of connections and is one of the biggest agents in the nba if not he, he is the biggest agent in the nba he's got you know such a list of incredible clients uh work ethics incredible and you know what he gets a lot of shit uh a lot of people say he's not the nicest guy all this shit first of all all that crap that all the people all the things you see people say just don't don't listen to that shit, man. Because like it's all subjective. You catch somebody on a bad day, yeah, you can and think, you think they're, they're awful, the worst person in the world. Forever. I worked with Rich Paul last uh, earlier this year in Philadelphia. Uh, he was there. He, ben Simmons, <laughs> another one of his clients, another NBA All Star. Uh, he was in Philly for that game, and LeBron was there too. Anthony Davis was also there. It was Lakers, Sixers, so makes sense for Rich Paul to be there. Three of his clients are playing, uh, and it was the night that LeBron passed Kobe. Um, the day before Kobe died. Um, and we were at the game and he was the nicest guy. I mean, he just over the top, nice, just answered any question you had for him, you know, you know, and a, a lot of the time, like guys will just like hand you their stuff and like get out of my face. And, you know, he like handed me his, he's like, could you please hold this? Like he was very nice, uh, over the top, nice, great conversation with him. Uh, and we can talk more about that, that Philly game after, if you want, if we can, we can get into to Kobe stuff. Cause there's some pretty crazy things that happened there, but yeah, Rich Paul, great guy. Before we transfer into that, I just want to ask, just before the last thing on career development and uh, anything of that nature, what would you say to anybody who, A, is pursuing a career in in media? How would you say, how should they approach their opportunity if it's presented to them? And what would you say once you're actually on the other side, what should you do? This is in media or sports media? This is in media just in media general. media in general? So, like, how to how to get into it, and then kind of how to handle it. Yeah. Say you. Okay. Say you're trying to be a PA, trying to do something entry level or whatever. You're actually interviewing for the position. Okay. What do you present your? What? How do you present yourself? And then once you're on the other side, what do you do to stay in the game? Well, I would say this first. Um, prior to interviews, apply to everything. Let's keep that. Let's keep that in mind before we start talking about interviewing, um, because you you never know. Um, apply for jobs that you don't want apply for jobs you're not qualified for because you simply never know like the New York Times they could be hiring an executive producer tomorrow and guess what nobody in this room is qualified for that job excuse me but if all three of us apply for it and they happen to just think oh Matt Brown that that guy seems kind of cool he seems like he's got some unique experience let's just bring him in that could happen so apply for every job I'll say that first. Now, when you're presenting yourself to a company or you know a large media conglomerate, uh, and you're trying to sell yourself, uh, 
I, I think it's important just to lay everything out there. Um, it's not necessarily any way you specifically portray yourself. It's not anything you say uh, in particular, but I, I think it's just important to lay it all out there. Um, that's, that's the most important thing. Uh, and to be confident in that. Uh, if you show up and you're not confident, you're shaking in your boots, you're sweating and all that good jazz, like they're going to think that you can't handle pressure. Uh, and I think that goes for any field. I think that goes for any kind of interview, but, uh, specifically media, man, because there's just so much pressure when you're, when you're recording television or you're doing live TV or, uh, if you're, if you have a limited amount of time with like a guest, that's a huge thing, right? Because I mean, you know, this when, when you have Dwayne, the rock Johnson, you don't have Dwayne, the rock Johnson for three hours. You have Dwayne The Rock Johnson for seven minutes and forty-five seconds, or whatever it is, right? It it it's limited, um, so like there's pressure, and there's pressure in every environment, but there's a ton of pressure in media. And if you can't handle it, then uh, they're not going to want to hire you. So I think it's important to to be confident and uh, to not to not waver. Uh, now, in regards to handling how to work in media, like when you're a fresh, you know, like you're fresh to the game. Yep. Uh, or anytime when you're on the other sure. side. It's difficult, right? Because, you know, you need to make sure people know who you are. I think that's a big thing, especially when you work in a big media conglomerate, right? When you work in a massive company like ESPN or uh, Nickelodeon or MTV or CNN, right? Like all these companies that we've worked with, you need to stand out because there's 25 other people at your position at your age that are trying to stand out as well. Exactly. It's just like, I mean, like we talk about like dating apps, right? Like you got to stand out. There's a lot of freaking guys on those dating apps, oh, right? Yeah. Like, like th- these girls are getting lots of options, right? You got to stand <laughs> out a little bit. It goes the same way for your employer as well. So it's important to do that. But at the same time, you want to be likable. You want to be confident, but you need to be humble right you can't go in there and be mr hotshot and be like i'm the smartest guy in the room because I'm guess the what of all time. nobody nobody likes that shit uh, that's something that i've had to balance i've struggled with that because you know when you come in all confident at 22 23 24 like i have you know there's been issues where older people think i'm too you know too cocky or uh you know a little too confident for how old i am or my position but at the same time when you're doing that, when you're that confident and you're that excited about work and you have this many ideas, you got to remember to be humble as well. You know, take, take your wins and losses like we were talking about earlier, but take them quietly, right? Nobody likes a loud loser and everybody hates a loud winner. I'll tell you that right now. That's one thing I really learned and caught on to. It's like wins are great, but they're always short at the end of the day. Even if you win an Oscar, you have to worry. If you were like an actor winning an Oscar. When am I going to win the next one? Whether that or most importantly, just adding to why you create a great story. If we're right. sp- talking about a specific actor or anybody in right. media. Because at the end of the day, we're storytellers. Sure. Even Even in unscripted television, you're still sterile in the story. Yeah. Obviously the news. and any sports games yeah. we just have to do our part in presenting that and yeah we've been fortunate yeah. enough to have those opportunities yeah. we're still extremely young we still have a lot to learn yeah. but we don't take it for granted we know what we can add to the table right. and we also know that as long as we're nice and we work hard whether it's something we want initially or down the line but regardless good things will happen sure just keep pushing with that yeah man this is awesome awesome portion of this conversation now that we could completely switch gears so it's kind of similar because we could both share on this sense sure so when we're talking about encounters with whether it's a celebrity or high profile person okay 
we i'm sure you know like you said i've been fortunate enough to have some opportunities whether yep. it's at mtv like that CNN. that's pretty fucking cool yep yeah yep anthony bourdain yeah or their um that was a real pleasure to yeah. have that. So yes, I was a gopher for him for a day. Okay. And that's just the day for me personally. I remember, I did not know who Anthony Bourdain was. <laughs> I swear I didn't know the thing. Like how the fuck, man? I, I remember you told me that. You were like, yeah, I'm working with this like this chef guy. <laughs> I and I'm like, what do you that. what do you mean? And he sends me a picture. <laughs> and I'm and I looked at it, I was like, is that fucking Anthony Bourdain? I was like, this motherfucker doesn't know who Anthony Bourdain is. I, oh. sh- I showed. One, I remember seeing one of my buddies. I was like, hey, Matt Brown's with fucking Anthony Bourdain right now. He thinks he's fucking with Emerald Lagasse or some shit. <laughs> like Guy Guy Fieri, yeah. right? Fucking bleach blonde hair. By the way, Guy Fieri, great guy. Oh, um, man, we got, we'll, we'll get into some of that <laughs> stuff for sure. Didn't know who Anthony Bourdain was. I can't believe that. Yeah, no, I, I texted you like, yeah, the chef guy. You ever heard of him? <laughs> and the way it broke down was so yes, it's, I was an intern for CNN yep. and I specifically specifically entered for the program development yep. and the talents team. You know, the one actually creative uh, side, the one script is still, you know, we had yep. uh, Jeff Zucker come in, CNN sure. 2012, and he presented yeah. original programming, which has been a big hit ever since. Right. Whether right now you have successful miniseries as the movies or the decade series. Yeah. yeah. I particularly it's good worked, stuff. I particularly worked on the Kennedys. Um, cool. Some stuff for HLN, like the Unabomber, um, and wow. stuff like that. That's what I personally did. Right. And um, pretty cool. for program development. Sure. So obviously part of that, one of the biggest gets CNN has to show that they were legitimately creating original content was Anthony Bourdain oh, yeah. transferring from Travel Channel to yep. now and parts are known as turned into one of the most influential not only travel shows not only food shows, shows. but to present what this world has to offer oh yeah so that was his big mark and ended in tragedy when we lost him back rest in 2018 in but rest in peace indeed yes so I worked with him for the day he was there to do CNN promotion right that was his Deal. What they call a they call it car wash at ESPN when you do every show and you you promote whatever you're promoting and yeah. for him it was parts unknown right exactly yeah. probably for you whether they went off for a car wash to see it whether they went to first take and sure. then get sports up, center sports center yep. like that's your version of right. it right and it was CNN Cuomo. we had exactly we yeah. had a lot of you know. A lot of the hour shows, so back then we had Don Lemon, That's CNN Tonight. That's kind of interesting tonight. though, right? Um, Isn't that kind of interesting where it's like you take like a, like because it's a cooking show, right? And Anthony Bourdain is like, it's different. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's, to me it doesn't scream CNN. Um, so like imagine like a seven minute segment with Anthony Bourdain on like fucking Cuomo. Like to exactly. me, it's just such a weird change of pace. Like imagine being the producer of that show and be like, all right, the A's, we're going to talk about Wall Street. B's, we're going to talk about COVID. C's, we're going to bring in a cussing, like no, nobody gives a fuck chef. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go back to like war in the D's. Exactly. Like <laughs> that's just like kind of a weird rundown anyways. The big selling twist <laughs> was the actual just the... the it really was a culture show. Like yep. not only you saw the food, but you saw whether you're in an impoverished nation or whether you're in a third world country uh-huh. and stuff like that. And that was, I guess, the real twist that CNN pro- presented for itself. And we've seen other shows spin off to do well with it. Uh-huh. W. Kamel Bell's uh, United Shades of America, This Life of yeah. Lisa Ling, 
Sure. It's other stuff like that. Okay. But anyways. Yep. So yeah, my job that day was to just be his gopher. That's walk him around. As simple as that. That's uh, cool as shit though. One of my mentors, Brittany. Yeah, I was very fortunate that she said, "Hey, you have to take care of Tony for the day." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and the way it, the way it worked, and sorry if I repeated this before, yeah. but I haven't really gone deep into it. But sure. um, I go and. I see this guy just chilling, this tall guy. He's probably like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, if I remember correctly. He's wow. definitely taller than me. I'm exactly six feet, so um, he was a few inches taller. And uh, yeah, he was smoking an American spirit. I was going to say, he's a big bogey, big into bogeys. And I, he's just chilling. I I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Like There must have been people looking at him. So I see Bourdain. He's like, hey, Mr. Bourdain, my ID. I'm here to help you today. He's like, nice to meet you. And then the rest of the day, he didn't talk to me. I just had to move around with that. Nice to meet you. He How had, long were you with him? Whole day. Like, it was pretty like much- eight hours? Okay. It was probably like- um, like four or five hours it was like yeah, a considerable amount of time. Yeah, It was right after lunch, so I think I was with him from twelve thirty to five. Okay, so yeah, that's that's a that's a long time for him to say like three words to you. Exactly. I remember being in a specific room, yeah. in one of the offices, and we just chilled. He's reading his new book at the time. Yep. And I would just walk him around in various places. People talking to him. Uh, you know, he had this project. I don't know if it if COVID derailed this, but it was um. Google is trying. Google's buying a lot of property down in specifically like the Soho area. Like, yep. I think, I don't know if it was derailed because of Bourdain's passing, but he was in, or obviously now COVID. But they're like trying to make, like, one of the neighborhoods almost. If you, they, I think Google even wants to like. This is this is a joke. This isn't literal that I know of, but like they're buying a lot of land, and they're kicking a lot of places out, and they want it all Google. In Soho. In Soho, yeah, Soho and Manhattan. Oh. That's the plan at the time. Now, this was years ago. Okay. I don't know how different it is, but I know that more Google, like for instance, I know there's this one building that Viacom's in that someone was telling me um, that Google is interested in buying that specific property. And so? Yeah. And they're okay. just trying to, they're just trying to make like a Google camp as much as they can with Manhattan. That's Obvi- insane. Obviously, they have the money to do it. How many billions of dollars, how many hundreds of millions of dollars are they going to spend on real estate? Probably billions, right? I would honestly. say probably a billion dollars because- I mean, you're right in Lower Manhattan over I mean, there. Think it's, about it this way, right? You think about think about buildings in New York, where company like massive companies have they're getting bigger and bigger. Well, We're seeing a lot of new skyscrapers. Sure, but seeing the thing is, like a lot of these big companies don't own whole buildings; they own floors yeah. and they own sections, right? Exactly. Like ESPN has a studio in New York City. Uh, it's on the uh, it's on Pier 17. Yep, you can see but Brooklyn it's Bridge. Part right of a building. It's a floor. It's in not a building. theirs. Yeah, they don't own the whole building. So, like the fact that Google is buying buildings and trying to build—that's insanity. Because, like, think about it this way, right? The only time, like that, there's like a lot of like companies that own the whole building. Like, think about like the New York Times and New and Times Square. They own that building, but how long has that building been there? Right? Think about it that way. Right? Think about think about how how long that these these companies have owned the building. Right? It's a, it's a long time. You're kind of grandfathered in. It's gotten to the point where real estate in New York is so expensive that nobody's buying buildings anymore. So the fact that Google is just exactly. tells you how much footprint they're putting into it. It's pretty insane. Obviously, COVID probably now has made an influence of that, but at the time that was the plan. But right, they're talking about they don't have people coming in at all now. Exactly, and you're seeing a lot of companies are moving out. I even saw. Um, 
I even saw with um, Goldman Sachs, it was reported their asset management team's going to Florida. They're leaving Lost Wall yeah. Street to go to Florida. I mean, Tesla's going to Texas. Like, I mean, there's a lot of talk of um, complete remote working for a lot of these companies, yep. right? Like Google. But then there's also talk of going to states with no income tax or less tax on uh, big corporations. Yeah. Tennessee, Florida, and Texas. Right. Tesla's going to Texas. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee, like Brennan just said, is a big, big hub. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, like, why would, if you're, if let's just talk about Connecticut for a second, right? Like General Electric left Connecticut, right? Why the fuck would you want to have your campus in Connecticut? The amount of taxes in Connecticut is insane. The, the only reason why ESPN still has a campus in Connecticut, right? Because you got to think about it, right? They've got, they've got studios in Miami. They've got a, they've got a they own part of a building in LA, they own part of a building in New York, they own a building in Charlotte. So why have a big campus in Connecticut, right? The taxes are ridiculous. Well, it's because one, they get a ton of tax cuts from Connecticut because it's one of the biggest businesses they, in Connecticut. They employ yeah. a ton of people. But on top of that, think about how much land they own. Exactly. Have, you've been to the ESPN campus. Yeah, you brought me there. It was right. a lot of fun. Right. Think about that. It's bigger than a. <laughs> It's bigger than a college campus. So think about that, right? There's nowhere they're going to get that much land and be able to put that many buildings and that much footprint in re- in regards to that. They're never going to be able to do that. So they'll, they'll never get rid of that campus. As much as people talk about, oh, you could just, LA can be the main campus or New York can be the main campus. be so easy to get people there. Guess what? They're so big. They don't care. They're going to have both, right? Like you're talking about, oh, Kevin Hart's not going to fly to Bristol, Right, you don't. You, when you see people on ESPN now, like celebrities come on, they don't. They don't. They're not on the Sports Center set. They come to get up. They go to first take because it's in New York, it, and people are like, oh, well, then why have Bristol? They can have both. It doesn't matter. Geographically, New York City, for the longest time, it's, it's the number one city in the Western world. Maybe you could say it's number two now. Boston, we're saying number four, right? You could probably say number four, top five, right? Geographically, you're in between a number one and a number five city in the world. So it's a great it's a great location geographically. Yeah, that too. I mean, the thing is not a lot of people come to Connecticut anymore. Like not not a lot of like I would say almost none, like before COVID. Um like right when I first started, like we were still having people come in. Like I remember Brock Lesnar came in, Mark Wahlberg came in, uh Jake Gyllenhaal came in, but now that it's you know now that the new york studio is there when you see people come on espn like kevin hart came on espn uh last year to promote a movie he was in i think it was night school with tiffany haddish oh that movie's so bad but i love kevin hart uh i love so he'll come up later uh that's he's a good guy uh when he was, was on get up and first take he didn't go to connecticut like why he's in new york already he's doing press for that's the thing right about these car washes that we were talking about earlier like bourdain when they're like and and people are starting to notice this more and more 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 and more I see on the internet because like you see Dwayne Johnson right he'll go on Ellen or he'll he'll go on Good Morning America and then an hour later he'll be on First Take on ESPN and then eleven thirty he'll be on uh, I don't know some show on MTV and then at twelve thirty he'll be here it's because he's in New York for the day yeah and he's gonna go promote Jumanji on every goddamn network his agent says he can 
or the company says he can the the company that made the movie whatever it is whatever the the pr people are from whatever he's promoting he's going to do it everywhere so people are starting to notice like okay like he was on this show this show this show he's on Fallon, then he's on this he's on that right and it's because he's there for the day promoting it uh and that's part of the reason why espn wanted the office in new york because they wanted to get in on that right because you can't say hey dwayne johnson you're promoting jumanji 3 on good morning america at eight can you drive up to connecticut for two you know drive take two hours to drive up two hours to drive back no he's not going to do that so it's easier for him to go down to you know near brooklyn you know the southern part of manhattan uh on pier 17 and then he'll just ride over to a you know back to times square to go on a viacom show and that's what they'll do and that's where you know where you really notice the promos now with the zoom promos that people are doing they'll probably do it honestly yeah. forever you can see them in the exact same clothes in the exact same setup yeah it's it's, it's just something it's i notice and now with podcasts growing so much you see people on the same podcast in the same right. like matthew mcconaughey is on every single pod <laughs> every single my main podcast part of my take rogan mark Marin, right. bill simmons he was on all of them in the same exact clothes in the same exact um set up but obviously they're just talking about things differently and you know what sucks about that though is it's just it feels so unnatural it, it just feels so like because it is it's a promotion that's why they're there that they wouldn't like matthew mcconaughey would never go on pardon my take <laughs> for shits and giggles right he's never gonna go on like pretty much I, I honestly would say this he'll probably not gonna he's probably never gonna go on any show for shits and giggles that that's the thing that i, I think that you kind of turn a corner when you realize that in media where you're like, oh shit, like the only reason this show ever gets guests is because they're trying to promote something. That's what it is. I mean, like Howard Stern, right? When he has guests. And he's sure. on Howard too as well. Right. Um, so that's the thing. Like Howard Stern is big enough to where he gets guests just to get guests. Yeah, for sure. Like if they're in, if they're in New York, like, you know, they'll come on Howard Stern, but they're in New York for a reason. So guess what? Before they go, they're going to, they're going to plug that they're at, you know, the comedy store, uh, for three nights this week, you know, like Artie Lang or some shit is going to promote his show. Uh, just keep that in mind. When you're watching stuff, people that don't, aren't really big media people. When you watch an interview, listen for the promo because it will always come. Yeah. At the end you say, so what do you have to, what do you have to, they'll literally say it, right literally away, all the what time. Do what, do you, what do you promote? Like, what do you, and at the end it's like, okay, if, where <laughs> right. can we see your, this, where can we see this movie? Well, it's where always a book. That? It's always a movie. It's always a show. It's always a concert. It's something, right? Um, which, I still love you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to realize that it's kind of like a tough thing to swallow. It's like, Oh shit. Like, you know, this isn't just like, Oh, they're not just hanging out, having a beer, you know, shooting the shit with yeah, Howard right. Stern. Like, it's like, okay, they're here because they want to make money, you know, but at the end of the day, you also got to not give a fuck because guess what? It's still a cool interview and you know, it is what it is. Right. Dude, you know, getting back to our original point with yeah. the celebrity encounters right sure. and I mean that's the beauty of podcasts is it adds to these more of these convos yeah. but um yeah so that was my thing with Bourdain it's a good time is awesome and you know I've been fortunate to be around other great people sure. from work interacting yeah uh, whether you know the ones that stick out of my head ASAP Ferg from TRL that's awesome say so, what's up seeing him before that's really um, cool I'd have to say Cardi B I was for her birthday or her baby shower episode of Tierra. Yeah. That was nice awesome. to be around and uh, you know, a bunch of others throughout the times. You know, DC of course Young it's Fly. also what? DC Young DC Fly. DC Young Fly. The, he, the most low maintenance talent ever. <laughs> I can't believe that shit. I, I'll never forget oh, when you told you, me that. When I told you about his, his his rider. Yeah, no, yeah. the McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, he just yeah, yeah. he was his rider at the, I, I think it's okay if I say this right, you know. 
with writers. Well, anyways, it, yes, it was just uh, he just he just wanted something simple from a non. He just wanted McDonald's. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, all it was. The and context was there is, you know, like you were getting a bunch of food for all the talent, and people wanted like the best steak from the best steakhouse in New York, like just pain in the ass shit, like all the way across New York City to get this piece, you know, piece of pizza or some shit. Yeah, and he just wanted a cheeseburger from exactly. McDonald's. Exactly, that's yeah. all it was. Like that's the point of it. <laughs> like you never was, hear that shit, man. Everybody's such like such a pain in the ass when they want pay shit. anything. You you know how it goes, Ryan, yeah. with riders. They get the most insane specific thing out yeah. there and uh, anything so yeah. specific but yet uh this guy just simply wanted a simple meal at mcdonald's so it's no problem at all like yeah, i say i'm sure you have your very expensive company cards and sure. yeah i mean you could literally have gotten whatever you wanted and uh, i mean i i don't know I, you don't necessarily have to be a mcdonald's guy for me to like you as a talent but like you know kind of cool kind of sure. like a little more laid back a little more relatable than you know the guy that gets the 80 dollars steak for lunch absolutely and you know dc Elkfly, he said the words matt brown in my name this is what happened that's why so you know like as you work you work with producer with yep. various different personalities right sure. i'm sure you've met the most humble producers yep. you've met some producers who are very full of themselves oh, yeah. and make this little thing right so all this producer asked was me to get orange juice for her and she and so she's giving it so she asked me as soon as you see me and she was just they were just doing a uh, prep pre-show meeting yep. they give it to her it's like this is matt brown and everybody in front of the 23 crew on set which had all the talent he's like yeah Matt Brown that's what DC Youngfly said true story that's unbelievable that's awesome I mean hopefully he still remembers it I mean obviously it's easy name to remember but Ryan (laughs) what about you though who's been some of the most pleasant talent to work with and is there any talent that um was not pleasant to work with um I probably won't reflect on not pleasant uh just because just for the interest of uh, mystery relationships, um, just in case they come up in the future, and you know, you know, when I inevitably become super famous and this gets resurfaced in a few years, we don't need to burn any bridges. Uh, in regards to people that have been very pleasant to have met or to have worked with or to have uh, you know tried to talk to to bring on a show, I mean, like the list is endless, right? Like everybody's nice if you're nice um, and they're in a good mood, right? Sure. Uh, some people that stick out, I would say Kevin Hart. Uh, we mentioned him a couple times earlier. He, uh, I, I was in, I was uh, in L.A. on Christmas last year. Um, and we were doing the Lakers Clippers game. Uh, I don't know if you guys, if anybody is a big sports fan, but if you remember when Anthony Davis fell on Kevin Hart in that game, uh, <laughs> right before halftime. Uh, but yeah, after the game, I was walking in the tunnel, the uh, you know under the Staples Center. Uh, going to the production truck and the people that are in the tunnel you have to have courtside seats or you have to be media or you have to be working in the arena so like not a ton of like there's a good amount of people obviously there's probably you know a thousand people in that tunnel but it's not like you know the rest of the stadium so it's a little you know a little secluded whatever and i was walking back to the truck you know we had just uh the game just ended and i was just walking back to the production truck to go talk to some guys i knew and i looked to my right and uh Kevin Hart's just standing there. And I was just like, what? Like, that's Hey, weird. what's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> what's up, Brian? Uh, and I just like, I kind of like looked at him. I was I t- like, I looked and I was like, 
he's like literally right there and like there's nobody around him like no security like no family it's li- he's just standing there waiting for somebody uh and as i'm like i'm walking towards him i just see like two very very large three very large human beings walking like near him and I'm like, that, those are some large dudes. Like, those are some basketball players. So I looked over, and it was Scottie Pippen, Paul Pierce, and LeBron James. And they all go up to him, and they're, like, laughing, talking Hello. to him. All these Yeah, alone. yeah, just – well, yeah, because they're going to their car. Like, the, like, people that work for the Lakers and Clippers are just lining up these beautiful cars, like, probably about 100 feet from us. So they're just setting them up to go into their cars and go home. And well, Scotty Pippen was there. Well, Scotty Pippen works for ESPN. Oh, yeah, yeah. So – uh, and so does Paul Pierce. Um, so you know they're just shooting the shit talking. Like, I, like yo, yo, yeah. LeBron, remember, remember <laughs> when we beat you? In yeah. The <laughs> I'm uh, just kidding. And uh, I, I know Paul Pierce, so I, you know, I said hi to Paul. I went, I went over and talked to him. And uh, it, this was right after he walked away from Kevin. So they all, they're all going to their cars, and Scotty's going back to the studio. The studio for ESPN Studio in LA is directly across the street from Staples Center. Uh, it's like literally like a thousand feet walk. So he was going there to talk to Rachel Nichols or something. And uh, as they all walked away, I noticed my producer was probably you know five hundred feet behind me. So I was like, okay, this is my opportunity. So I went over and talked to. I just went up to him like, hey, uh, to Kevin Hart. I was just like, hey, man. man. I was like, how you doing? Uh, just want, I'm Ryan. Just wanted, or no, he said, what's your name? And I was like really shocked because it was just so nice to, to ask. Up, he man? It doesn't matter. I'm like, I'm Ryan. It's really nice to meet you. I think you're really fucking funny. Uh, my sister loves your movies. I love your movies. You're great. Just keep up the good work. You know, you're a good guy and, you know, we're rooting for you. And, you know, he was just really nice and courteous. You know, we had a little conversation. He, you know, he said, thank you for the kind words. And he was one of, he probably one of the most pleasant people I've ever interacted with. He just really came off positively and just, you know, is happy to be who he is. He's not, you know, he doesn't take anything for granted, I think. So I, I, I really appreciated that. And you hear that in interviews in general and podcasts. Yeah. He's an awesome, humble dude. Didn't have Super it talented. easy. You know, when people like to... I feel like people like to shit on Kevin Hart for going a little too mainstream after his humble. Who cares, um, man? Let him get yeah, that yeah. money. No, that's what that's my very argument for the rest of my life. He's like he was the one who worked hard to get to that position. Right. So why push him down for it? You I mean, know? he had been in you know he had been doing comedy for a long time. Yeah, of uh, course. I mean, like I, I commend him on what he's he like Scary Movie three in like two thousand four. Yeah, like uh, he's earning it. Yeah, like he busted his ass, man. Let him let him sign a seventy five million dollar contract with well, Netflix no, I, to I, produce I some mainstream stream stand up like who cares let him get the bag yo that's what i say when people like to try to put i mean of course of course i you know when i talk about you know high profile people who really made it and who's chosen one of course there's like anyone else there's some people who i personally don't feel like hey you know i'm not feeling it or like i don't necessarily know if they ain't particularly deserve it but who the fuck do I who the fuck am I to say that too they, they're the ones who earned it who got into that lucky position and made the opportunity to advantage to put of that it. opportunity so who am I to say of course you know Agreed. obviously there's more people who I think are more deserving than others but at the end of the day they did something right to earn that position do you want to hear a, a really funny story uh, okay so I was in uh, Vegas it was the first time I'd been to Vegas only time I've been to Vegas so far. I'm definitely going to go back. It's a good time. Uh, and we were there for NBA Summer League. And this was the last time that they've had Summer League because last year they canceled it. They're probably going to cancel it this year. But I was there two years ago now. It'll be two years this July. Uh, and it was a big deal because this was when Zion got drafted. 
and everybody wanted to see Zion play. And we were literally, we were sent to Vegas to produce a show because of Zion. Oh yeah. Uh, so we get out there and, you know, we're pre-producing the show and I hear somebody go, we had just, I think we had just finished the show. We were doing a pregame show. And uh, if you remember, the Pelicans were playing the Knicks. They were playing R.J. Barrett and the Knicks. So it was a big deal. It was one versus two or one versus three. And uh, I just hear somebody go, is that LeBron? And I was like, oh, my God, no way. Right? I had never met LeBron at this point. I've met LeBron a couple times at, at this point. But, like, now, today, I've met him a couple times. But, like, at the time, I had never even, like, been real close to him, right? I've had seen him from a distance before at games and stuff, going to Celtics games as a kid. But then I'm like, oh shit, like this is, you know, this is a big deal. Uh, and the way they have it set up in Vegas for the, uh, for the studio hits is it's at, it's at where UNLV plays. Um, I forget what the center is called, but it's like, uh, whatever. It's where UNLV plays in Vegas. It's right off. It's off the strip a little bit. And, uh, uh, the the court is set up and then it's like a regular gym but then they have like these big rafters that they set up like these temporary uh stages and it's like lifted so you have to climb up these go up these stairs and i heard it from down below so i knew lebron was like below us so i went down the stairs pretty quickly like my producer saw me kind of like dip and he was like oh jesus here we go uh and uh i get to the bottom of the stairs and a security guy pushes me and is like hey you can't walk down here like and i'm like what are you talking about? And I realized I didn't have my credential on. Uh, it well, I had it on, but it was like under. It was like under something. It was like covered. And I just pulled it out, and he was just like, "Oh, go ahead." And I just like was pretending I had to go to like the truck. Yeah. And I walk. <laughs> I take a left, and standing three feet to my left is LeBron James and Jason Kidd, because Jason Kidd uh, had just uh, signed on as a, a coach with the Lakers. Yeah. And. I just like looked and was just like in awe and I walked right by them and I can't believe I said this. I go like in the deepest voice I could go. I just go, what up, Bron? Ah! I just like, could, like as soon as I did it, I just like was like, fuck, like what did I just do? Like you couldn't blame anybody else. I, I couldn't. What else am I going to say? I kind of said it though. Like, like I was pretending like somebody else. I was like, what up, Bron? Like kind of like looked like really quick. And I shit you not, he just looks at me and goes, what up, yo? I was like, what? What? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I thought he was going to say, security? <laughs> Get this fat kid away from me. I, I just couldn't fucking believe he just looked me in the eyes and goes, what up? What up, man? He was really nice to say that. I, I just, I, I shot my shot, man. I mean, it literally was just exactly. saying hello, but like it, it wasn't that big of a deal, but... But it was cool, man. It was cool. Uh, and I shit you not, probably about 10 seconds after this, man, like two minutes after this, uh, I, one of our hosts for the show is Kendrick Perkins, who obviously played with LeBron and is friends with LeBron. And, you know, I had brought him over to LeBron and they were talking. And, uh, you know, he had introduced me or whatever. He's real nice about it. And that was kind of cool. Uh, and, you know, like, probably a minute after that uh we were walking through the tunnel to get to the media room there's a media room on the other side of where the trucks were it's the thomas and mac center that's the name of the damn place that's irrelevant but anyways that's the name of the the place they play and we were walking uh to the to the uh to the office and the chinese national basketball team was in town because they 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 play some of the summer league teams uh as an exhibition 
Are you listening, Matt Brown? Um, <laughs> so they were getting off their bus. And, you know, obviously, I don't really know a ton of players on the Chinese national basketball team. Uh, and, you know, they're all just walking by us or whatever. And I forgot that one of the coaches of the Chinese national basketball team is a former Chinese basketball player, Yao Ming. Yes, sir. I'd and, be a Hall of Famer. And he walked, he, he knows Kendrick Perkins. And, you know, they dap each other up. And keep in mind, I am two feet behind Kendrick Perkins. So, and, and we're in like where the way we're walking is a very tight space. So, like, I can't just like walk around and let them talk. I am, I have to wait for them to finish. So, Perk daps them up and they finish talking. And obviously, as Perk walks by Yao Ming, Yao Ming has to walk by me. So, I just said, fuck it. And just was like, I dapped him up. I was just like, what's good? And he looked at me like, who the fuck is this guy? But then he dapped me up. And Yao Ming had the cleanest dap I've ever seen in my life. Really? Da- Yao Ming's cleanest dap. Seven foot. Hand. Massive hands. Like just triple the size of my hand. But the cleanest dap. Like I- I've dapped up thousands and thousands of people. I'll say Yao Ming, number one, undefeated. <laughs> cleanest dap ever. Lost. Never lost. Undefeated, never lost. Uh, shout out to LeVar Ball. Who's also a really nice guy, by the way. Can don't, you tell us about meeting LeVar Ball? You met the famous... <gasps> yes. Is he the but, greatest you know, sports I, father of all time? I'll tell you about his sons first, because I met LaMelo and Lonzo that same day, actually. Um, we had met Floyd Mayweather. Too. It was so crazy. Almost two years ago. It was... Before LaMelo's, you know, LaMelo's He was in high school. You know, it was, okay. But he's know, got some clout, obviously. Right before they overseas? went to Lithu- Lithuania. Yep. So, no, he had a ton of clout. I don't know, probably right after. Um... Yeah, so they were at the game, like, you know, said hi to them. They were super nice. Floyd Mayweather was there, super nice. Money team, man. One of the, he's, that's another thing. Like, people really shit on him a lot. He's a phenomenal person, really nice guy. Uh, based on my interaction with him, he's super nice. Um, and just, that was a crazy couple days in Vegas, man, because, like, everybody was there. It was just absolute insanity. Um, do you want to talk about LeBron specifically at all? Because I have a few LeBron stories. Talk to us. But, but, but first, but before we go I to just, LeBron. I don't know. Are you but, paying attention to me or your phone? Yeah, no. I'm paying attention <laughs> to you. I take my notes and log the show okay. every time. So Killing I just me, man. I don't, I'm not, and I, I don't. I love you. I wouldn't take, do that to any of my guests. I love you. I appreciate I you. I just, man. you know, I take notes and log and get things ready throughout the show. Just busting your balls. <laughs> it's all good. But anyways, so. Before we do get into LeBron, because I'm genuinely interested, you mentioned one thing that I think is important to mention was Kobe Bryant. You mentioned that you were working yeah. the day before his tragic death earlier, way earlier in January. Yeah. Probably one of the most traumatic days for our generation in sports and obviously the NBA. So before we go talk about other things, I just want to focus on that really quick before sure. we talk about that some day, other players. Those couple days. Yeah, so you um, told me that you had a special connection and yeah. something special went on. Can you yeah. go explain to me how that, yeah. um how your day went that day? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, that week was kind of crazy because we had went to I I had went to the college football playoff two weeks before that and then I had a big road trip where we had went to Houston. And then we went to, I'm trying to remember what game we went to after Houston. I think we went from Houston to Philly. Anyways, it was a crazy road trip. And I believe Philly was the last stop of my road trip. Um, and 
Uh, it was probably, I think it was the third or fourth NBA game I had been to that week, and it was just insane. I'm just exhausted. And uh, the, the talk of the town, the talk of the game, and the thing that we had talked about in our show, the whole show that we, we did a pregame show, the whole show we produced was Kobe versus LeBron because LeBron was like 13 points away from passing Kobe. Yep, that uh, Saturday the, of. Yep. And it was Sunday, the, sat- the, yeah, the day, day before he passed it. away. Uh, he was going to pass Kobe. He was 13 points behind him. And that was our entire show was Kobe versus LeBron. Luckily, we had painted Kobe in a great light as he deserved, but like, you know, like gave him his chops, you know, but LeBron got his chops too. And then, you know, I, I have a picture on my phone. Uh, we were at the game. We were in the press box watching the game, and he passed him. And the Sixers put up a, a beautiful graphic of, you know, LeBron passed Kobe, and you know, everybody gave him a standing ovation. And, uh, you know, we talked to LeBron for a little bit. You know, he said he was super grateful to pass Kobe. Kobe's a legend, all this stuff. And it was incredible to watch, to watch him pass him. That was a beautiful moment. And then, you know, and keep in mind, where's Kobe from? He's from Philly. He grew up in Philly. Uh, Lower Marion. Lower Marion High in Philadelphia. And um, he passed him in Philly. And the next day, I was at the airport in Philadelphia, you know, going through TSA. And I got a notification on Twitter that Kobe had died in a, a helicopter crash. TMZ had said it. So it wasn't like, you know, everybody was kind of like a little like, whoa, like, is this real? Um, and it was kind of, you know, starting to settle in that it was very real. Uh, and to be where he was born, or not where he was born, but where he grew up, where he played high school basketball, where he was, you know, somebody passed him. You know, LeBron James passed him in scoring. It just was overwhelming. Um, it was emotional uh, to be to be there. Um, and just, I was in shock. I mean, I, I called a bunch of my Laker fan friends, you know, one of my buddies, you know, idolized Kobe, man, talked on the phone and just to be there where he, you know, where he's from in that moment, you know, it was tragic and, and horrible and, and beautiful all at the same time. It, it was a, it was a very sad thing, but I feel connected to it you know I feel connected to him I feel connected in that moment uh and even though I really did not like him as a kid because I'm a Celtics fan and you know he took a finals from us and you don't like the Lakers you don't like Kobe you don't like you know anybody that played for the Lakers but I love Kobe and uh, you know I, I I never did but I do now and I I wish I did when I was younger I wish I appreciated what he did and how good he was and how great of a guy he was which, which luckily I did start to towards the end of his life just based on watching him with his daughter and rest in peace to her as well because that's genuinely awful and the other um, yes all everybody on board just a genuinely awful thing um, but rest in peace a be- beautiful beautiful person beautiful and tragic and sad moment and a sad day, but you know, honored to be connected to him in some way as well. I think it shows the importance of can't take life for granted. No, not at all. And man. Um, just like you know, I'm sure one of your old colleagues, Jay Williams, was saying, you know, sometimes in this life when things are stressing you out, especially those little things, just let that shit go. I you think bring that's, it every day, man. You gotta that, let that shit go. That was a, that when he powerful. said that on TV. That was wild. Hey, it was beautiful. S and P was okay. It's like you know what? We We're cool let this with this go. one. We'll, we'll let this one slide. <laughs> right, but I Kobe's legend never dies. Uh, his legacy never dies, and legends never die. We'll never forget him. Never forgotten, but legends never die. That's right. Man. But 
Kobe's still with us one way or the other. That's right. So, you know, transitioning to that with another great, as we mentioned before, LeBron James, yes, who's sir. made it to this wall, and Darren Judge. LeBron and, James. And, um, Okay, I'm going to do this. But I just want to say just one really quick story next to LeBron. Just give some buffer in. Okay. You know, I have a very similar story. I think I mean, my youngest brother, Tommy's in the studio audience as well. So, as you mentioned, hey, LeBron, and LeBron actually acknowledged you. <sighs> yeah. So, the closest thing, I'll actually let Brendan... Um, can you tell the story about Aaron Judge? Because you were the one who actually initiated this. Can you talk about Hand what happened? the mic. <laughs> So, you're talking about Aaron Judge, AJ. I did have an encounter with AJ. Hey, all three of us. Aaron Judge. However, though, what makes it more special is I was able to share it with my two other brothers. Yes. We were at Yankee Stadium, New York, where legends are made. And it was a hot, it was a hot summer day. Yeah, don't even try to get at me like hot that. Hot summer day, 90 plus, right? I, and I have on my Snapchat memories, me and my two bros, my older bro, my, my little bro, walking into New York Stadium. New, no, I'm sorry. Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium, where legends are made, with my older brother and my little bro. And it was a hot summer day, June 30th, let's say, 90 plus degrees. And it was intermission. It was like, I think the pitcher was changing, but Judge was walking towards Aaron Hicks. We we were at Bleachers, right? We we, we got, we called Bleacher tickets, but we walked, we uh, made our way towards. Almost snuck right behind like right field. Yeah, yeah. We were right, be- we were right behind uh, right field where the pitchers warm up and we go. So during uh, intermission, like I think, Maybe the reliever closure was coming in. Yeah, yeah. Judge is walking towards Aaron Hicks. We go, hey, yo, Judge. Judge, <laughs> quick, bro. His head turns around. Gives us the head nod. And, and that that was the very few times in my life where I was starstruck. Because I'm looking at my two brothers. I'm looking at my two brothers. I was like, yo, you guys just saw Aaron Judge. He gave us the head nod. And so it, the only thing between us and Aaron Judge was was the uh, the home run line, right? The barrier, right? There's no other fans in between us. It was us, the plastic, the... Um, next was, was the bullpen. The bullpen, and then Yankee Stadium. So it was like he heard us, bro. We were the first people. In, yeah, so it was dope. It was dope. Respect. So as you say, yeah. with acknowledging celebrity, um, uh, star athletes, even the little interactions can mean a lot to us, you know? Yeah, no, for sure, man. I mean, like, that, and that's something that luckily a lot of these athletes realize is that, like, even, like, adults, like, a little recognition, like a little, like, a head nod, you know, something like that. Yeah, that's that, the littlest that's thing. That's awesome, man. I mean, like, uh, I, uh... <laughs> I have kind of a, a funny story. Please uh, tell us. We were in uh, Houston. So the thing is, like I told you, I went to a lot of NBA games last year. Ironically, the Lakers were so, and they still will be because of LeBron and they're really good. They're all over national TV, right? So a ton of the games that I went to were Laker games, even though I went to like many different cities. I went to Houston. I went to Philly. I went to LA. I went to Boston. I went to New York. I went to a ton of different cities, right? New Orleans. Yep. The Lakers were playing over half of those games. So we were in Houston, and um, this was a fun show because we met, we had Travis Scott on, 
So meeting him was cool. Um, really nice guy. What's up? <laughs> straight up. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, he was really nice. How you doing? Straight up. Straight up. Um, but uh, we interacted a lot with LeBron and Anthony Davis that day because Perk was talking to him and they were super nice and they always were nice to us. Uh, although I had a really awkward uh, conversation with Anthony Davis at NBA All Star in Chicago. Um, what happened with there? It was just awkward. It just—it's not really a story. It's more of like, a, "Hey, AD, how you doing?" And he's kind of like, "Hi," and it was <laughs> kind of the whole conversation. It wasn't like he wasn't mean. It was just kind of awkward. Uh, but anyways, we were in Houston and. Uh, I was uh, shooting stuff for the show. I was, we were just getting some B-roll, and I was filming LeBron and, and Dwight Howard interacting, and I get bumped like in the shoulder like somebody was running onto the court and I was like what the fuck so I turn around to kind of be like hey like like are you alright like you know are you bumping into me and it was Rajon Rondo and I I had met him a few times but I don't think he recognized me uh, because I thought he might have because I was with Perk who he's really good friends with uh, and I had been and you know I'd, the last couple times him and Perk had interacted at games I was with him so I thought maybe he'd recognize me and he didn't he was just like hey get off the court man Cause I, and I didn't realize I was like on the court I yeah. had like slowly like moved my feet onto the hardwood and while the game no 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 no, not while the game was going on this was a uh, pregame like, that, that should have been clear you still can't about be that. on it no you still can't be on the court uh and he kind of laughed about it. He was like, hey, man, it's not a big deal. Just kind of give me a hard time. Because he had like looked at me like he was going to beat the crap out of me or have somebody, <laughs> or have somebody beat the crap he out of me. He seems like he'd be an intimidating guy to be yeah. mad at. Uh, he's a nice guy, though. He, he, he is genuinely really nice. He's super quiet. Yeah. Probably one of the most quiet and like shy to themselves is people I've met. quiet? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. But Kawhi Kawhi is the ultimate Kawhi. Right. I think Rondo's right there. Please tell me, do you have a Kawhi story? I don't. Uh, oh, wait, I do. I have, I have. <laughs> Brendan does too. I, we'll let br- Brendan go first. Yeah, I've got go one first. as well, but probably not well, as exciting. This isn't, a, this isn't a personal story, but Kawhi signs with New Balance, right? Yep. Gets his shoe deal right. Sure. In Kawhi fashion, mm. he gets a basic shoe. Yep. In Times New Roman font, bro. The most generic <laughs> as the most generic, like the most Kawhi fashion. That that's what I just gotta say. But however, though Kawhi Leonard, though from a different cloth, comes from a original breed, and you have to pay homage to where he's from. He comes from a different cloth, and you just right. gotta respect it. Uh. So, uh, I was trying to think of if I had any Kawhi stories from when I was working at ESPN and stuff, and I don't, but I actually do have a Kawhi story from prior to that, uh, when I used to go get autographs with one of my buddies, Kyle, shout out to my boy, Kyle, uh, for, I've known him since I was very young. Uh, we used to go to games and like get autographs. I can't find the video on my IG, but anyways, um, we had went and uh, I had bronchitis at the time and we were late to the game and <laughs> we were running through the streets of Boston to get to TD Garden and I'm like out of breath because one, I was out of shape, obviously. And uh, on top of that, I had bronchitis. So I'm like, <gasps> like literally like running into the arena like that. We finally get to where we got to go and we were late to the autograph. There's like a little section at TD Garden where you can go get autographs. But to the right of it, 
uh, is where the players have to walk to get to the locker room. Yeah. And the Spurs were walking through there. And guess who was the only player left walking through was Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> and I shit you not, we run up and we're like, Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi. And he just looks at us and we're like, hey, can you please sign, please sign? Like we had like a, my buddy had a jersey that he wanted to like sell. Uh, yeah, Kawhi didn't know that. Kawhi doesn't need to know that. Uh, and I just wanted to say, I don't. I didn't give a fuck about anything. So like, we ran up to him. He signed the jersey. And I was like, Hey, man, really? like, keep hooping out there. Yeah, he did. They always they usually sign. Unless, that's that's something we can really dive deep into if we really wanted to. But like, really quickly, I can give you a quick little synopsis because I used to do autographs a lot. Yeah. Um. So the and it was to, and it's not just like a little hobby. Like I used to. What we used to do is we would look up charter flights coming into Logan Airport in Boston and figure out when teams were coming, what hotels they were staying at. And then we'd go to the airport in the morning or at the night that they came in, we would get autographs signed. We would bring, like, literally my friend would have, he did it way more than I did. He would have 50 pictures printed out for every player. He'd bring 10 to the airport and he'd get them to try and sign as many of them as they could. The thing is, some teams had agents or people that would go with these players everywhere they went so and tell them what tell they couldn't no. and could sign. Because, for example, Steph Curry is a big guy that does this. He doesn't sign. He he has a, a card sponsorship. Yeah. He can only sign, like, I think it's Tops. There's one brand that he can sign. So, like, he literally has somebody walk around and go, yep, yep, nope. Nope. Yeah, yeah. He won't sign original work. Like I remember this guy had said like oh, oh yeah. This guy had this guy had painted like a beautiful photo of him. Uh, yeah. And he was like, Oh, would you please sign it? And it, we were at the we were at the Warriors game. And the and Steph like takes the pen and going to do it. And then the the guy that he was with, some guy that worked for the Warriors, it was just like, Nope, no, 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 don't touch that. that. Don't that. touch well and but it's all money. And yeah, it's and, all it's on the sponsor. I wish though yeah. Steph had his own representation to say, Yo. Yeah. Listen, that that is respect. That is an art. Sure. Forget those shits who are trying to make money off of Steph Curry's name. Right. I'd see that a lot with TRL, with people bringing in murals for guests only to get rejected and thrown to the side. It sucks. It's heartbreaking. One of my best pictures on Instagram is me with Cardi B murals that fans created <laughs> only for no one to accept it. So, so what? But, you gotta show me that. But the, the it's thing, on Instagram. I don't... The thing is with... Um, with a lot of this stuff or with autographs and specifically uh steph curry has signed is a huge signer <clears throat> he loves to sign he'll sign as many things as he can but this has devalued his autograph so his agency or his agents have kind of said stop signing as much because you can go <clears throat> and you can get an, a steph curry autograph on amazon for like 45 cents because he's just signed. Yeah, he does it all the time he just signs everything uh, that he you ever can. see on Pawn Stars how valuable some of those things right. are? Like you know, right? So, so back to back to autographing in general. Though we would go to the airport, we'd go, we'd get them to sign as many things as they can. We'd know what hotel they were going to. Typically, and by the way, if anybody really cares, if you go to Boston to try and get autographs, NBA teams stay at the Four Seasons. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the Four Seasons, and then we'd get them to sign stuff when they arrived. So we'd beat them from the airport there and get them to sign stuff. Then the next day or that night when they go to the arena to play, we find out what time shootarounds are, um, because there's certain players like like Carmelo Anthony would never go to like a 10 a.m. shootaround, right? They have 10 <laughs> like that's too early for him. He'll go to the 4 p.m. shootaround right before the game or like two hours before the game, three hours before the game. 
So we'd get them uh, when they're leaving the hotel to go to the arena. Uh, keep in mind, there are multiple buses that take teams from the hotel to the arena because different players arrive at different times. But then we would go to the arena We'd have pregame access and we'd get them to sign before the game. So that's a whole nother batch of autographs that we'd have. And then after the game, we'd go to the hotel and get more autographs. Keep in mind, a lot of the time, players would recognize us. And we've been called out multiple times like, oh, didn't I sign a bunch of stuff for you earlier? Ooh, and we'd be like, Ryan. yeah. And if we were honest, a lot of the time they were just they would just be nice. You know, one time I think it was like James Harden. I said no. And he just looked at me. He's like, I'm not signing this shit then. Because oh. he knew I was on some bullshit. So then from there on, we were just like, yeah, it was me and they don't care. Um, the th- issue is they kind of figure out if you're doing it, if you're getting trying to get multiple, you're trying to do it for money. It's not for your little brother. It's not for you. And you know what? We were starting to get a little too old for it. Like we were like 20 <laughs> years old and they were kind of like, eh, I'm not signing for you, man. Screw yeah, you. Yeah, I feel like at a, you have to be a certain age because you know, like if you look a certain type of way, you, uh, right. probably try and get a profit out of it, you know, man. For sure. And you know what? We did. I mean, like, I will never forget this. One of the nicest rookies that we had ever met that signed for us. I couldn't, I can't believe this still. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here shitting my pants thinking about this story. One of my, one of my buddies was like, uh, so the buddy that I went with to games, he, he had ordered a jersey for a rookie on a team that I'm not going to say just yet because it'll ruin it. But we had, we were going to a game and there was a rookie on this team that he thought was going to be really good. I didn't know shit about him, but you know, he was the first round pick. So I was like, all right, whatever. He bought a Jersey and, uh, you know, was like, hopefully he'll come out and warm up and he'll sign this Jersey. So, um, my buddy sold this Jersey very recently, which is why it's kind of cool. Uh, we get to the arena. We, you know, we sit down in our seats. He starts walking up this tall, skinny guy. He signs the Jersey and my buddy sold the Jersey for a lot of money. I don't know exactly how much, but it was a, a big increase. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> it was fucking Giannis. Uh, keep in mind, I had no idea who he was. This was early Giannis. This was his superstar. rookie year on the Bucks. He was just, super skinny, really he's nice. Jacked now. Yeah, he's super jacked now. Super good now at basketball. And I just remember seeing him play that night. And then I remember when Joel Embiid was a rookie. He was he played so well against us. He played. That was really cool to to meet him that night. So your Giannis must appreciate your buddy. You believed in yeah. me when no one did. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of cool to, because uh, the way it works at TD Garden is they have like a little setup where everybody can go and congregate to get autographs. And, you know, there's probably about, at, at different points, there's a varying amount of people. But at this point, there's probably about 75 people just, you know, waiting. And guess what? Like four people got autographs from him. I mean, just... Like literally, like it was like two kids in front of us because they, they were just asking everybody for an autograph. They're like these little little kids, like six, seven years old, like really young. That's then, what, that's what the way that's my age buddy, you do it. And then my buddy, and <laughs> and nobody else wanted an autograph. And then I think like um, it must have been not Rondo. I could it must have been Isaiah Thomas. It was a it was like a Celtics point guard that you know came up. It was like Kelly Olynyk, some random players on the Celtics, mm-hmm. and everybody like, oh my god, oh my god, sign this for me, please, and. Nobody wanted to talk to Giannis because nobody gave a shit. Um, so yeah. it just, it, that's all about perspective, that's how you right? Know, huh? Because like, think it about is perception. It, yeah. Think you, about you it this way, right? Everybody, a chance. You never know who could right. go off. Think about it this way: twenty-five years ago, if you're at an event and Barack Obama walked by you, twenty-five years ago, some guy. I don't fucking exactly. know. Like, you know. Think about it this way, right? 
uh, the president of the United States in 2052. You might have met already. You could have went to college with him. You don't. You don't know. Like, anybody you, can become anybody, right? Who would you heart? The, the, the most I mean, likely me, president. of course, right? Besides you and like I don't know, <laughs> well, Sam Anchari be president. Sam Anchari. Sam Anchari. Yeah. Yeah, that's a possibility. I feel like probably more likely than me. Anyways, anybody could fucking become anything, right? President. That's my point here. Is that like, you know, you don't you underestimate somebody or you don't value somebody and just because nobody else does and then as soon as they you know catch fire you kind of look back on those moments like shit like i i met Giannis or like you know what i mean like because even me right like i was like i don't know who this guy is like i'll just dap him up and say hello like right and now he's Giannis. right he was Giannis then but now he's Giannis. it's a little just wait for obi to be the the next Giannis. obi topping yes can we not talk about the knicks because like i think i'll do it for the sake because i've talked about him a lot lately but sure i mean i just stay in loyal to that i'll say that if you had to describe every nba team as an object the knicks would be a dumpster fire what about the other? What about the Hornets? Or well, that's not a good example. That's not a good example. Well, only because no, no, not till this year. They were really trash until now. Gordon Hayward, sure, Lamelo's coming. But the, nobody, about, t- nobody talks about the the Hornets. Nobody talks about Charlotte as the, the mecca of what, basketball and like a damn, big deal and a big franchise. Like the Knicks are this big deal, but guess what? They've never done shit. It's been 40, 50 years been since 40, they've been relevant. It's been Forty-five years. No, 47 years since the since last, last time they won a finals. And you know damn even when well they were that, 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 that the NBA, that ESPN, sure. everybody wants those Knicks to be good. And who's the goddamn one who's staying loyal to the team? It's me. It's, it's Jerry Ferrara from right. Entourage. You're right. It's Spike Lee. You're right. It's only you. That's it. It's you three guys. And um, Jesus and Miro, too, up here. Sure, five. That's so it. five people are loyal so to the Knicks. So you know what? For anyone who needs to talk to the Knicks, and I will take it for the rest of my life, but when the day happens that they're good again, remember who stayed first. Those five. I just want to, yeah, I want to keep in mind that you five are the only loyal Knicks fans that Fair exist. Enough. I don't believe that. Uh, but anyways, no, like legit, like the Knicks, right? We talk about the Knicks like there's some great thing, but the Knicks don't matter. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell Until you, they, win. they don't matter. Until they win, you, you know why they don't matter? Why? Because they don't matter. Until the, they the win. The owner of the team is an asshat. Yes, I who, agree who, with that. Who, who is royally fucked the franchise in many ways. It, it, it is an embarrassment to sport. It is an embarrassment to basketball, to America, that James Dolan is the owner of a team. Like, forget that it's the Knicks. Forget that it's New York. Forget that it's Madison Square Garden, which is probably the mo- one of the most significant venues in the world. Probably the most significant American one, I would say. And he owns the team. And the reason why that's a problem is because he does not care about the team. He doesn't care about the image of the team. He doesn't care about the image of himself. He, he cares about himself and that's it he doesn't care that what he did to charles oakley was disrespectful and racist and disgusting and embarrassing to that franchise and to me that speaks volumes about why the knicks don't matter until he sells that team i don't care right i don't care if they go 82 and 0 next year which by the way they won't because they're awful and it, there's nothing that will convince me to care about that franchise until that man's done. So that's one aspect of it. On top of that, the Knicks have just not been good for like what 
eight years now. It's been eight years since they had a decent team. And on top of that, when they had a decent team, they still weren't good enough to even get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Not you guys out there. They, they just did saying, just 2012 uh, against uh, washed up Kevin Garnett, washed up Ray Allen, still washed count, up though. Paul Pierce. I mean, sure, but like... <sighs> It's kind of like, I don't know, that'd be like me beating up Sylvester Stallone. I'd be like, hey, I beat up Rocky. He's 74. Or beating <laughs> Nate Robinson. Sylvester Stallone is 74 years old, but I beat him up. I beat up Rocky. <laughs> I beat him up. You know, he, he was once a great fighter. Like, come on, man. It doesn't fucking matter that you beat the Celtics one time in 2012. Think about this. The, the Knicks haven't won a championship in 46 years, 45 years, whatever it's been. They haven't had a good team in eight years. And they haven't had a, a competitive team in regards to winning a championship in probably 26 years, 25 years. And even those teams weren't really that good. They were just scrappy and they managed to put some wins together, but they never were good enough. They Even then, when we we're saying, oh... They could win the finals. They still couldn't do it. So fuck them, man. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I this hear is taking you a turn make for the worst. Value, you make genuine, valuable points. That's true. And it's so annoying how James Dolan... I mean, don't forget, James Dolan also was the Ragers who are doing a rebuild and made their I was going to say, they're not successful at the moment. But yes, they, but they, they the have bubble. had I mean, success. They, and, you know... But it was in the cup six years ago. Sure. Did they win the cup? No. Okay. They lost five games to what? It four overtime games. But you know, okay. the thing is, he owns the Madison Square Garden company. Right. He owns probably the most wanted real estate in the world. You're in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. Yep. Owning the most significant arena that everyone wants to be. That in is America. the place to go. In America. Yep, in America. And probably argue with the world in some other big venues, especially concert say, venues. I was going to say, there's some there's some other big venues around the world. No, of course. But you could say it's in the top 10 most desirable, sure, especially I would say artists. It's, up, right it's there. up there with Wembley Stadium. It's up there right. with the San Siro. Right. It's up there with exactly. the other big arenas. So, Amongst owning that and also the New York Liberty sure. and shout out to Sabrina Inescu. Yes. And Key it's, Nurse. It's it's just a it's just been a uh, it's it's been a stressful time. It's all good. It's, it, and it was just it was just bro, I mean it's it's tough, but you know damn well it is hard to see. Like yeah. that is a genuine flaw of mine that I really haven't realized more as much as I've done this podcast. Yeah. How bad it is to be a Knicks fan. You know, I mean, laughing to be a, at it. a New York sports fan in general. I mean, it, it's kind of great as a uh, as a Boston sports fan who hates New York teams to see. New York go through this championship drought um, to see the huh? Yankees not be able to win a championship for over a decade has been a blessing uh, sorry uh, the Giants are fucking trash the- okay we're not trash now we got a big game this uh, week we could, yeah. we could make the playoffs if we went out and and uh, Washington loses one game at the time of this recording we win the division right and it's the NFC East, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but still counts, though. We're still in the playoffs. Awful, man. But you're saying though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just 
as a Boston sports fan, it's selfishly nice to see New York suck. I mean, just because I remember growing up, we were always New York's little brother. Um, you know, like always seeing like, okay, like the Yankees are so much better than the Red Sox. And that was the big one because really football, you guys were kind of bad too, especially the Jets. Um, and then, to you know, the Patriots won six championships. The Red Sox have won three championships. The Celtics won a championship. Uh, the Bruins have won a championship. And it's 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 kind of cool to see them. Yeah. Between 04, 07. 13, 17. 18. But, um, 18, you're right. You're right, Ryan. I would probably do the same thing. And it's been an interesting time. It's, it's turned and around you for you. you know that time, I'm just relentless on that. And I think I want to make something clear about that. Sure. Besides all of that, witnessing a lot of hell. Yeah. Especially in the 2010s, it was bad. We've only, I mean, we reckon saw Super Bowl in 2011, Super Bowl win, and um, what were you guys? It was awesome. Technically, it was the 2011 season. Yes, 2011 season for 2012. And Rangers making the cup at 14. I want to emphasize the importance of at least staying loyal with it. Yeah. That's if I could get anything out of that, and I will take those bullets forever. Especially the Knicks, Knicks fan. I think there is a point to emphasize on that loyalty to staying with my teams that I grew up with that I've only grown up 15 minutes from the state and then an hour from the actual New York City and I want to emphasize that and there will be a time I said I can never complain about a team drought until I'm 108 years away are we actually 15 minutes from New York State right now yeah, just about if you want to go with the very border. State line, yes. Yeah, yeah. What? That's uh, for Westchester trippy. County? How yeah. did I never know that? Yeah, um, you realize how close this is? Nah, man. I mean, I don't know. I come down here and I don't really think about where I'm at, I guess. I just kind of drive down, yes. say what's good to, yeah, say, exactly. say what's good to the 15, homies. 15, 20 minutes, depending how fast you go, you're all, you're in the New York line. <laughs> You'll hit Westchester. Uh, okay. But anyways, um, that's my thing. He's staying loyal to these teams, then they're going to be good again. You know, you had your time of staying loyal. I mean, what? It took you to what? Uh, I was going to say, I don't know. Eight years old till you were loyal with that. They've been kind of good for most of my life, so so I can't really complain. you really haven't witnessed a time of, like, pure drought. Now, of course, I'm sure, you know, your family has, your your older friends and all stuff. Like, they went through a bunch of shit. I mean, the Patriots were... Awful they were worse until, than the Jets at for one like, point for, for reputation. For like ten years, but then we were one for twenty years. So fuck what you say, Tom Brady the goat. Tom fuck Brady any whatever goat. you say, fuck you. Anyways, if but you got, if you got, if you feel different, fuck you. <laughs> Brendan got some drinking him. <laughs> no, but real talk though. Come on now, real talk, yo. If you do not recognize Tom Brady as the goat. I think there's a larger problem between you recognizing greatness, right? Whatever, right? Yes. Humans, we want we want to figure out, okay, if someone achieved more than us, it was given to them. They were cheat they cheated. They stole. And they won, right? Four out of those four people, right? Those four outcomes. Tom Brady's the goat, plain and simple. Tom Brady's the goat, plain and simple. <laughs> My man kind of off the shits right now. <laughs> no, yeah. He's right. No, but he, Tom Brady. No, yes and no, though. Yes and no. I'm, I mean, Brady's a motherfucking goat. I used like, to. Yeah. Six rings, right? You can count them out from one, two, but three. 
But the three others, you can't count them out. I, I, I used to hate on LeBron heavy as a kid, and then I kind of realized, like, you have to appreciate greatness. Uh, you know, he... Greatness. He used to eliminate the Celtics like every year. Uh, so I definitely had a lot of like hatred towards him. But as I grew up, I started to realize like, hey, like, you know what? He's just fucking good, man. Just appreciate how good he is. Um, should we? Is there anything you want to talk about before we, we wrap things up? I feel like we've been, how long we've been talking? So the um, exact time frame at this moment is, is uh, 155. So two hours. We were talking for two hours? Plus. God damn. Almost three. Okay. Anyways. So um, what, 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 is there anything you wanted to hit with me yeah, yeah, in particular yeah. before we, we wrap this thing up? Exactly. There is. So um, Let's hear it. I just, but before I finish, just the last point is. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Just with the Knicks, you're right. You're absolutely right about how poorly run the franchise has. Dolan, you know, probably has led a lot of people to not come to this don't want to play for him and they have great reasons why i can't you know he's not gonna he's not gonna sell anytime soon he's only in his 50s we have to just deal with it we just have to trust and people like scott perry and tom thibodeau to to just lead us have a legitimate core do what brooklyn did to attract great free agents and we know damn well especially the nba especially um all sports media outlets want those Knicks to be good. Just remember who stuck with them in through good times and bad. And this probably is the dark. I mean, I don't even know darkest time. I mean, I saw Derek Fisher lead us to 16 win season as a head coach, yeah. and so it's just a matter of staying loyal with this, the Yankees, the Giants, and the Rangers forever. And our time will come, and I'll accept it as a um, whenever that time is. And as I said, the Cubs took 108 years. I can't complain after that. So. But it's but you know, switch it to all things sports. It's been a pleasure. But um, and is there just anything in like a couple minutes or less you have else on LeBron? No, I mean, I mean, there's some small things. You know, we've interacted a good amount, but um, I, I don't think there's anything that's worth highlighting in particular. I mean, it's just casual, casual things. Nothing that we haven't touched on already. So just a couple of things, Ryan. Sure. One of the things that's fun to talk to you about, and um, you have you as both of us, we've had both positive and I won't say negative, but things that didn't work out when it comes to dating apps. <laughs> it's been a, such a funny <laughs> oh, time. Oh no with it. way! What are we talking about? With dating apps, right? Okay. So, <laughs> I, as I said, you've had the best things of it, and okay. then you've had things that I'm sure have, um, you know. Sure. Didn't go as you planned. Sure, but all this I have to ask with this. Trouble, I'm sure. No, no, I'm not. I'm not here. We're not here to kiss and tell or anything <laughs> like that. We're really not. All right, I'm, I'm curious to see where you're going with it, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm just curious. How have you? How do you look at a whole dating app situation in 2020 and stuff like that? How do I look at it? Like, are you? Have you? Are you somebody who's learned a lot about yourself amongst me these dating apps? Uh, learned a lot about as a as a straight male, learning about women. How has it been? Has it been a various experience uh, or stuff like that? I'll say this: Have you learned a lot in general? I would say that the pandemic has affected dating apps significantly. I think it's impacted how much they're used, right? Because I feel like, obviously, like people were on Tinder and Hinge and Bumble and all that good jazz before. But now it's kind of the only way to meet people unless you already know them. Uh, you can't really just go to a bar and just 
talk to people. Um, one, because not a lot of people are going to bars and you really shouldn't be. Uh, but like you shouldn't be going there and then like talking to strangers. It's, it's just, it's not going to happen that way. Uh, and it shouldn't. Uh, and you know, a lot of states are closing down restaurants and bars and all that jazz anyway. So what that leaves that down to is the dating apps. It's the only way. And even then it's, it's difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, uh, it's, it's, it's become kind of the only resource for dating. So that's kind of how it's changed the game a bit is it's, it's the only way it's not just an alternative. Now it's, it's the only way you can. And I'm curious to see how things change when the pandemic is quote unquote over. Right. I don't know when it will be over. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, the timeline after vaccines are handed out and everything. We don't have to talk, you know, get into specifics of that, but, uh, you know, we're not medical experts, but whenever that time comes, I'm curious to see if people are going to want to talk to strangers at the bar and, and want to, to just, you know, talk to random people and, and, and see if, you know, and try to, you know, make an intimate connection like they would before or as, as often as they would, or are people going to want to tend to go for the dating app? Because it's, it, it's essentially what they're comfortable with now because that's all they've done for the last year. Um, and that goes for a lot of things too. I think, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how society will be changed from this, uh, in regards to a lot of things. And I think that go, we can talk about that for hours, you know, if people are going to still wear masks, Asks when they go to certain functions, are people going to be less hesitant to touch each other's hands? I think the handshake could die right from this. We could be literally just like fist bumps might be the new way you meet people, right? It might be professional now, uh, you know, so I'm just curious to see how that the pandemic will affect a lot of things, but uh, it's definitely impacted dating uh, and dating apps in particular. Do you think, do you agree with dating? The best way is to be yourself in this dating world no matter what do you think whether it turns to you know showing interests or just being yourself yeah well yeah um, you know. are you suggesting like to to put on like a show to pretend to not be yourself to, to no, i'm just suggesting like what do you think has been the best approach with dating now whether it's through the apps or in person it's still do oh, you believe in the be yourself and stuff like that uh it, it's kind of a weird thing right because on dating apps it, you're right in the sense that you're not necessarily a hundred percent like putting yourself out there like you would if you were meeting somebody in person. Now that could be beneficial for somebody that's a little more shy, you know, like maybe, you know, when you meet somebody in person, you're a little hesitant to walk up to the cute girl at the bar or the cute guy at the bar or cute per just a cute person at the bar. Um, and you know, it's easier when you're behind a screen and you can take your time and try to formulate what you want to say and, you know, not sound like a jackass or try to, you know, be as, you know, smooth and confident as possible. I don't know. It just kind of depends on who you are as a person. Uh, for me, I hate dating apps personally. Uh, it's just not my kind of thing. I don't know. I don't really get to, I don't really get to showcase myself in the light that I, I like to. Um, because I feel like when you convey yourself through text and you convey yourself through words, it's two completely different things, right? Even if you say the same thing, it means two different things. Uh, I can convey emotion when I speak to you, uh, with words, when I see you in person, I can, I can really show you who I am. You can really kind of understand the vibe that I try to set when we, when we meet. 
now if i do it on an app like you're not going to understand that same vibe and it's just going to be awkward so uh if i'm if i meet you in a bar whether you know it's it's going to be a friendship or otherwise uh i'm sure we're gonna have a good time it's gonna be a fun time it's gonna be a lot different than if i met you on an app that's for sure you're right i hear you it's um important and i think it's gonna be okay with that so Brendan is off the shits, yo. <laughs> Real talk. Spitting facts. Spitting facts. So just one more just say uh just one more section that I was gonna say with that. Right. Um just after sure. this. What's my what's my um way to go? So okay. I just I just wanted to ask just couple more things that we were um talking about initially in the beginning and more than so movies and tv what's that movies and tv okay yeah you know we talked about some of the movies you haven't seen yeah. the classics yeah you like you like movies and tv right sure tell me ryan what's the things to look out for what were, in 2020 this is the last episode of 2020 okay whether it came out this year in 2020, a okay. TV show or a movie, or years prior, what are some of the best things you've seen? First, we'll go with TV th- that you got out of in 2020 years prior. Wow. Some um, new shows you discovered. Like for me, I discovered Rami, which I enjoyed, Better Call Saul. Uh, I really enjoy Community. I, I mean, I kind of feel like a lot of the things I like are mainstream stuff. Like I'm not a, I'm not a big, big TV guy. I mean, as much as you are, uh, but something I watched last night and by the time this comes out, it'll be two weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, I can talk about it and stuff. Mandalorian, really great. It is uh, worth the hype. Oh my goodness. As a genuine I mean, Star Wars if you fan like, too. If you like Star Wars, then it is more than worth the hype. It is phenomenal television. It is everything that you could want in a high quality Star Wars program. It is elite uh, in every regard. I mean, it touches references. It touches, you know, bringing in old characters and new characters that are likable and great. The dialogue overall has been really great. The action is great. The cinematography is phenomenal. Uh, everything about it is great. Producing is great. John Favreau, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, Dave Filoni. It's phenomenal. Uh, so that that show... I mean, I, I, the reason why I'm hesitant to bring it up is one of the shows that I like or I've watched recently is because, like, if you like Star Wars, you've seen it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, like, I'm not presenting some crown jewel that nobody's heard of or, or has seen. It's one of the biggest TV shows in the world, and it is massive. And literally, people are. I'm subscribed to Disney Plus because of it. Uh, obviously, they're releasing a lot of new content in the next couple of years that is appearing to be promising too. So, you know, obviously, I'll stick around for that as well but mandalorian's been worth the buck uh in regards to other stuff queen's gambit was cool um everybody's seen that though um i've gotten into community as well uh community is hilarious uh the best character is troy uh for sure that's donald glover. that's donald glover's character uh troy and uh abed uh, really funny, really funny duo. Uh, um, you know who I really think is underrated on that show? And I think she's a phenomenal actress. Allison Brie? No. 
Okay. Um, I just Allison Brie is talented, but that's not who I was thinking of. I did. Yes. I can. God damn! You want me to? <laughs> I'll get there, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to set it up. You're right. You're right. Uh, you're right. Excuse Yvette, me. Sorry to interrupt. Yvette right. Nicole Brown is a phenomenal actor. Um, and she was. I. I've Helen and Drake and Josh. Yes, I was gonna say know. seen her in Drake and Josh. Uh, as a kid. Uh, very funny in Community as well. Um, you know who I really like in Community who, but who's a dickhead is a uh, Chevy Chase or Chevy Chase. Yeah. He's a fucking dickhead. Uh, and he, you know he kind of got axed off the show for being a racist which is fun um by the way screw you chevy chase national lampoon not that funny really none of you don't like the chris you don't like the vacation movie series you know what and i think it's because i kind of i watched them after i found out he was racist so i feel like i just like went into it and was just like oh like this guy sucks you know what i mean like and and that might be the wrong approach like maybe you know those movies actually are funny but i just had such a bad taste in my mouth because i knew he's kind of like a shitty person so that kind of kind of fucked things up it's tough it, it's tough to hear that stuff and you just gotta focus on more of the character and the actual actor and stuff of in that sense but i, I really like joe McHale. I think he's an awesome leader he if is he- funny he is good he's he is a perfect uh He's a perfect uh, person for that role. To lead role, yeah. And if you ever listen to his interviews and stuff, he's a very well put together person, and uh, you know, I got a lot of respect for the guy. For sure, man. I think he's funny. I think he's talented. Um, seems like a likable guy. He's actually, you know, he's pretty pretty good Instagram follow. Uh, yeah, he he's a big meat guy, which is like I did not like. I mean, like I guess I wouldn't have like suspected that, but like I also just don't actively think about people liking meat a lot. But he posts like a ton of steak and like roasts and like he just he always has some like crazy weird cut of meat that he's just grilling or baking or like smoking, and it's it's great. It's wholesome content. And how do you feel? You mentioned Donald Glover and Troy. Donald yep. Glover's on the wall right here. Um, how do I feel about Donald Glover? I love Donald Glover. Who, do, who I, I feel like there's nobody out there that's like, oh, like, I mean, maybe you could say Donald Glover slash Childish Gambino isn't for you. Maybe you don't like Atlanta. Maybe you don't like his music, like whatever. But you have to recognize that the guy is so goddamn talented and just multifaceted, just can do anything, is funny, humble about it, and just kills it, and is just straight up likable. Like, fuck. I mean, but the thing is, there's not that many people out there like, oh, yeah, that guy's not funny. He's fucking hilarious. And on Whether top stand of that, up or acting or whatever. any of that. And, uh, you know, you know, what's funny is I, I think his stand up isn't necessarily my thing, but I like his acting. So that makes up oh, for yeah. it. I mean, Shows, yeah, he's Atlanta's Atlanta's just so phenomenal. Deep, very inspiring. I love he, Lakeith Stanfield and Brian Tyree yep. Henry just as Lakeith much. Lakeith Stanfield is an underrated actor, oh, man. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to have so a great direct. Good. He's going to have a great decade, I believe. I really, I, mean, I really hope so. He's had a fucking awesome past three years. You saw Sorry to Bother You? Yep. Incredible. He's Knives Out. He's Get so out. good in Knives Out as yeah. the as the lead detective. Besides, yeah. he's uh, glue, Daniel he, Craig. I mean, Daniel he's, Craig. He might the, be the. You know what's funny about that Daniel movie? Craig, the glue. La- Lakeith Stanfield might be the smartest person in that movie. Because, well, the irony of the movie is that everybody's dumb. Um, actually, you know, Marta's Marta's probably uh, Anna Diarmas is probably the smartest person in the movie. She makes out like a fucking she bandit. She's a big fan of her too. She she is very talented. And she does great in that movie. Um, 
but like i remember the first time i watched it i kind of realized halfway through that like daniel craig was not a good detective like that was the joke is that like he he sucks i mean like (coughs) if you think about it he's completely basing the fact that this that a woman is not lying to him because she didn't puke like he's believing the fact that that is that is law that if she doesn't puke she's not lying and to me that is like the biggest like are you the worst detective in the world or what um and like you kind of realize that piece by piece that every single person in that movie besides the author who kills himself and besides marta and probably lakeith stanfield that everybody else is a moron it it, it is that's an awesome movie shit i want to watch that right now i I literally watched it like yesterday that movie just it's an awesome show it's like so good basically like it's not a. It's a who done it, but it just shows you how they did it. It got away with it for a brief, a brief time, so it's like, and oh it's my god, funny. wow, yeah, it's legitimately and, funny and so dark. clever, really well directed yep. by Ryan Johnson. Phenomenal acting. I mean, there's Chris Evans is awesome. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is great. Anna De Armas, uh, Daniel Craig, Lakeith Stanfield, just a great cast. Um, wow, it's awesome. Awesome. Just one last thing before we say goodbye, Ryan, and why I've been messing with this phone genuinely because I, for some reason, we lost internet connection here. But um, that's okay, man. I'm just busting your balls. <laughs> no problem. I just, you know, I love my hey, guests. You're a funny I guy. Rant, so <laughs> <laughs> I love my guests, and I don't want to ever. I'm never losing focus on them when we that's have okay. the time. So. That's okay. But anyways, I end every podcast off with the Prouse questionnaire. Okay. And I'm very intrigued to hear your answers to it. Okay. You ready? All right. All right. So my first question for you is, what is your favorite word, Ryan? <sighs> That's tough. I, I mean, I wish I had a little time to think about that, but off the top of my head, the first word that came to me was epiphany. Epiphany. Yeah, it's a fun word to say. It's an epiphany. Epiphany. I had an epiphany that I like the word epiphany. <laughs> Literally. Uh, what's your least favorite word? Oof. Ointment or like moist, like those OI words are just not. I That's just not pleasant. Ointment. I don't want to hear that, please. What turns you on? Like, in what way? What turns you on in life? <laughs> so, whether it's, uh, I don't know, uh, hard work, think, I don't know, like melted so. cheese? Like, that is what turns you on? <laughs> <laughs> melted cheese? Okay. Yeah, I mean, so I mean like, shit. I don't know. Like, uh, you tell me, hey, we're going to a party. Oh, okay. That sounds pretty good. Well, there's going to be some nachos there. Like, oh, fuck. Okay. I'm going to show up 15 minutes early. What turns you off, Ryan? Uh, negative people. I, I can't, I don't have time for negativity and boring people and people that just don't want to do things. The people are just like lazy and like, oh, like 10 minutes is a far drive to them. Like, and you know, I think part of it's like my parents because my parents are very much so like that. Like, um, I just remember being a kid. I don't think we ate at more than three restaurants when I was a child because if it wasn't in town, we weren't going. I mean, like, why would we drive 30 minutes to go to that restaurant? We have food in town. We have food at home. Like, shit like that. I mean, like, it's so minor, but, like, it was everything was like that. Like, everything's far to them. Like, to, like tonight, like, I, you know, I've, I drove, you know, an hour and a half to go somewhere, right? We really appreciate it. Yeah, I, yeah, of course. But, like, 
my parents would never do that to go see a friend like an hour and a half. Like what? That's insane. So, but to me, like, I don't know, it's not a big deal. So like, I don't know, boring people, people that think everything's far, people that think everything's hard, like screw those people, man, like live your life, go do shit. Cause when you're 75, you like, you might have the time and the money to go do whatever the fuck you want, but you're not going to have the energy to, you're not going to give a fuck. Like you give a fuck now you're 25, go fucking go on a crazy vacation and have a good time, man. Screw it. You only got one life to live, man. That's right. Don't give up on it. I cool. love that answer a lot, Ryan. Thank, Thank you. you. Of course. What sound or noise do you love? Say that one more time. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, noise or um, like a fan. I think it's just because, you know, well, I mean, I sleep with a fan. I don't know. A lot of people do. I know it's a common thing. Yeah. Uh, so the sound of a fan is very comforting. Um, I would say the crack of a baseball bat. Yeah, that's a bit of That's like a home run hit. That sounds pretty nice. A good football hit, like a good helmet to helmet hit, like a fucking, you know, fucking mm-hmm. snap. I mean, yeah, not not really allowed, but sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, it isn't allowed anymore. Um, yeah, I, I would say. There's one quick thing that I've heard that was cool about a, ba- a crack of a baseball yeah. bat. I heard on the radio, right? Sure. Buck O'Neill, Negro League's legend. Yep. He seen hundreds of thousand players play. Okay. He said there was three players in this world who had a specific crack to the back. Crack, crack. He said it was Babe Ruth. Okay. Hen- Henry Aaron. Hank Aaron. Obviously two of the home run leaders. Then there was one very unique answer. You probably won't guess this. Who do you think had the special crack of a bat that only Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron had? Rafael Palmero. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, is newer or older? Yeah, I'll give you his prime was in the night. Sammy Sosa. No. Mark McGuire. No. Ken Griffey. No. That's what I thought it was. A Rod. No. Who? Bo Jackson. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I believe it. He, he could swing a bat pretty good, I would say. Best athlete ever live if for what he was able he's, to do? He's definitely up there. I mean, I don't know. I think LeBron James might be the best athlete. And ever. I know he didn't have the years to to combine sure. that for baseball or football, but he was a, a top 10 player for both MLB and NFL. Deion Sanders couldn't have done that. That's pretty insane. Like, if you really think about it, Deion Sanders did both, but he was a bench player for base. He was on the bench for baseball. And yeah, obviously but a star of football. Deion's and, still a freak of nature. Of course. That just shows how different, you know, certain sports can be. I mean, I think LeBron James is the greatest athlete ever. I think LeBron James could tomorrow put on an NFL uniform and play tight end for a team. Um, I, I also think that if he wanted to he could play almost any sport. Like, I think he could play baseball if he could, if he figured out like mechanics, just the way his body's built. Like he's just built to play any sport. He'd be a phenomenal <laughs> soccer player. Like a, a, Michael Jordan almost got there. People said Michael Jordan would have made it to the pros. I mean, if, if Michael Jordan, like when Michael Jordan was like 16, if he played baseball every year and then went to college and played baseball, he probably would have been a great MLB player. Tyler Murray. Yeah, great athlete. I mean, yeah. I mean, nowadays, there's just so many players that could just do everything. Uh, Kyler Murray's definitely one of them. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh, when metal scrapes against, like, me- other metals. Like, you know, like, you know, like, uh, like, when you have, like, a piece of, like, meat stuck in your fork and you take, like, your knife and you, like, scrape it off. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I, I just got really upset thinking about it now. Yeah, no, like, uh, or, like when you're cooking and you have like a metal spoon and you like cooking it like in a metal pan like I feel like like if you're like stirring mac and cheese or something and it's like scraping against the metal oh my god just metal on metal scraping is just no 
sweet. No thanks. What's your favorite curse word? <laughs> um, fuck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fuck's a good one. I mean, it's just a classic, man. Um, motherfucker. I mean, any iteration of fuck, I would say. Fuck fuckery, <laughs> fuckhead, fuck ass. Yeah, it's all great. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I like to attempt. I wouldn't mind being a politician. Ryan uh, Bagdekian, the politician. Deacon, Ryan Bagdekian, the politician. Yeah, I wouldn't mind uh, holding public office. That would be pretty cool. I don't think I ever will. Um, but if for if for some reason I were to, I think I would do a pretty good job. I'm a, a, a relatively good public speaker, uh, and I, I pretty good, you know, interpersonal communication relations. So I think that would be, you know, a decent decent thing for me wouldn't mind doing it wouldn't mind helping boss. some people out too be good gm too yeah what profession would you not like to do uh i wouldn't want to be in the military i wouldn't want to be in the military I wouldn't, <laughs> we just broke a chair uh i wouldn't want to be in the military i wouldn't want to be pretty much anything where i would be like in danger i mean it's just because i'm like a little nervous wreck i wouldn't i wouldn't want to be a police officer um that's a really hard job um yeah i wouldn't want to do any of that i wouldn't want to be in the medical industry either that's super difficult and those people are way smarter than me um so you know shouts to people like dr fauci and all our frontline workers uh amazing job and we appreciate you dearly i couldn't do that shit so now that's definitely a profession i would not want to do for sure i just would not be able to handle that my final question for now on this, Ryan, and it's been a pleasure. I hope you'd want to do this again because yeah. it really has been a lot. Dude, I had all these things to write, to talk about. I was going to say. We didn't hit, which is good. It's not a problem <laughs> at all, but we just have so yeah, much to, we just, we to talk about talk. for the next time. Yeah. So I just hope you had, you'd want to do this again, man. Yeah, for sure. But my last question for now, Ryan, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when the, you arrive at the pearly gates? You can eat as many cheeseburgers as you want, and you won't get fat. <laughs> Something like that. Y'all in heaven, baby. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Uh, nah, man, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily believe in higher deities. Uh, but, you know, if there were to be one, I think I would like to just be welcomed with open arms and uh, accepted for who I am and go chill with all the people and just vibe, you know, for the, the rest of eternity, I guess. <laughs> unbelievable ryan you really uh hit me you really hit me on that one so listen ryan as we know we could do this all day sure. it's been a pleasure yeah, i'm man. so glad you'd want to do this again but is there anything else you want to say before we uh say goodbye yeah man just like shout out to y'all for supporting matt brown and the productive conversations podcast this kid's super talented man i believe in you matt um I believe that this could be a great success if you want it to be. And I, I think you do. So continue to do that. You know, we're going to get 600. We're going to get 900. We're going to get 1,000 downloads. We're going to get 2,000 downloads, right? We're going to keep it going. Uh, as long as you continue to put, put out consistent good content and you continue to work hard, I believe in you, man. And I believe in you in your personal career as well beyond, you know, just, you know, your podcast, which is a great endeavor. But, you know, in regards to actual, uh, like your career structure and uh, working for uh, external companies besides your own personal brand, I think, you know, if you want to do well, you can. You have the ability to. And uh, all it requires is a, a little 
effort and I think you will provide that. So uh, I'm proud of you. Uh, shout out to everybody listening. Shout out to everybody supporting. Shout out to everybody that's listened this far. If you've made it this far, congratulations. And uh, I appreciate you, man. Keep killing it. Oh, you are a beautiful person, Ryan. That Those words really... Uh really really mean a lot to me thank you bro i appreciate a lot and you know no problem i believe in you as well i know whatever you're gonna do and as me and svp agree <laughs> you are going places you're appreciate going it. far appreciate and it. my friendship is with you is very valuable to me and i will never take it for granted i appreciate love you bro. bro and thanks for coming on productive conversation <laughs> you're a great man ryan <laughs> Ryan Bagdikian, you have a great night, my friend, and happy new year, and let's make 2021 a great time. Let's get it. So long, buddy. How about that, folks? Ryan Bagdikian, God bless you. Thank you for giving me one of the best and most insightful conversations and podcasts of my life so far. You are exactly what I wanted, I guess. Amazing stories, funny, some humbleness, some realness, and all in all, an amazing experience. I love you so much, bro. Thank you for coming on. You are a very dear friend of mine, and I really appreciate those kind words you said to me. I will make sure I won't forget them. Make sure you don't forget the amazing talent you have, my friend. And that's it. That's a wrap, folks. 2020 is over. It's been truly the most challenging year of my life, my family's life, this country I live in, this world I live in. And even after through the hell we've all been through, the fear, the hopelessness, today there is a light at the end of the tunnel and the year 2020 is over. I've learned a lot. I've experienced a lot, and I'm now ready to take all these incredible lessons that I have had to go through so much hell to, to learn, and I'll apply them to the new year and apply them to years to come. Now as a 26-year-old man with more responsibilities, with more goals he wants to accomplish, and 2020 was quite the derailment for what I was planning for. But in the end, I got an amazing thing called the Productive Conversations podcast out of it, which has helped me go closer with friends, closer with family, enhance my skills creatively, technologically, and passionately for production and storytelling. So there is a silver lining amongst this intense year it has been. We have a new president coming in. We have the vaccine here. We still have heroes, both men, women, and all people around the world who are helping us get through this hell of a time we're still in. This pandemic will end someday, and hopefully in 2021 it does. And please, please do the right thing. Be responsible, be courteous, and finally we will be back to a normal life again. We will. We are going to win. Thank you everyone who has made this a great birthday for me. 
Thank you for everyone who stuck by with me, and especially to you, the amazing listeners and fans of the Productive Conversations podcast. Even only a few months in, you all have a special place in my heart, and we're going to continue to grow the show so it can be the best it can be. And I will do my my goal and duty to entertain, inspire, and inform you all and just put a smile on your face and be a distraction for you when things get bad. And then when things do get bad, just remember you can overcome it. You can. You count. I believe in you. And with that, so long 2020. So long being 25. Hello 2021. Hello my 26th year. I'm grateful to be at this point and I will make sure it is the best year I can make it. So with that, it's now time for 2021. It's time to grow this podcast even more and it's time to show you all that you count and matter. And with that, on my special birthday, I give you one of my favorite songs in this world, Feels Like Summer by Childish Gambino, and I will see you all on this January 4th for the first show of 2021, and we have another profound conversation with a profound individual who inspires me every day. Gabe Mills is on the show this Monday, the 4th of January, and I'll see you all then. Have a happy new year, everybody. Be safe, and let's make 2021 the best year it can be. All right, guys, I'll see you again this Monday, the 4th. Peace! You can feel it in the streets On a day like this day It feels like summer I feel like summer I feel like summer